Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know. We're pretty. We, I, we'll have to have a committee and go and decide on, on what the Canadian identity is. That's that's the Canadian thing. We, if we have a problem with something, we'll go and form a committee and discuss it. And then you'll apologize after. Well, we'll apologize all the way through. I mean, that, that goes okay, without yeah. saying. I'm sorry yeah. I even brought yeah. it up. I don't know why yeah. I even thought about <laughs> bringing it up. But, yeah. um, I'm sorry I didn't have an answer for that question. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I truly am sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, 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 Hey everybody, welcome to episode 192 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And also have Mark Rubin online from San Jose, California. Luke. And as a special treat, we have Marin Todorov, uh, who's joined us and he's cur- currently in the United States. So uh, say hello, Marin. Hey, hey. All righty then. So, Martin, I, th- I thought you actually worked for Realm. Do you not? Or, or did you at one time? Or? Um, I did. I did for a couple of years. Um, and oh, okay. now they're, they scaled back on the marketing team where um, I was at. Uh, okay. And they're focusing again on their product development. Uh, oh, so that's why, that's why actually I had a chance to focus on uh, writing a book on my own. Okay, great. Uh, cool. You did another solo book for you? It is another solo book, yeah. Yeah. But Martin did the, uh, what did you do? You did the animations book a couple of years ago. Yeah. And then what did you do? Last year you did R. Swift, I think. Right? Yeah, with with uh, three more authors. Right. Okay. But this one's solo again, just for you. Yeah. Just, yeah. This is. Talk. I mean, this is basically you know like um, a, a lot of a lot of the experience that I gained at Realm. Um, now I just put into a book. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So in case you don't know, Mark um, or Jaime, um, Marin was I think he was one of the first authors on RayWinnerLike.com back in the day, right? Yeah. 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 Like you, I think you were the first one. You and Ray. Um. There was there was a batch of. 10 um and um out of those it's just me and um matthias hollemans that are still um around cool neato yeah all right okay um so so uh yeah uh, this was just a a follow-up to uh, last week i think Jaime brought up um flight school by uh, matt triple t thompson uh who's left apple and now back on the back on the the uh helping other developers out by uh, publishing stuff and um so he gave a story behind uh on twitter uh, like a multiple tweet uh, um, story about you know his idea behind the the, um, the metaphor for uh, flight check. Did you have a look at that, Jaime? I did, and it was pretty good at explaining. Like if you look at the Twitter thread, there, pretty good at explaining what each of those chapters really means. Um, a little surprising that they didn't put it on flight school itself because I think that was rather helpful. <laughs> of like, hey, here's here's what you're getting for your fourteen dollars, right? It's, right, right. Uh, 140 pages, and we were kind of running like, well, what could you really do with Codable? And it turns out there's there's plenty Plenty there, uh, plenty of meat there. If you read the the content of like what sure. each description of the chapters are and the focus, yeah, it's good, cool. I know that Mark would be interested in this next story. Basically, uh, it's on Amazon. A picture. I don't know if it's still there. Let's click on the link and see. Oh yeah. But this is basically one of those companies that comes up with you know the the shield armor for the front of the device. And and if you look at the picture of the iPad that's there, it's a nine point seven inch iPad, Mark twenty eighteen model, and it clearly has no home button, and it seems to have a hole at the top 
top of the shield, which would be for the true depth camera. Yeah. So what do you think about that? So your wish is coming true, Mark. Well, we don't know for sure that Amazon or these, actually it's not Amazon, it's, it looks like it's a company called Armor Suit. We don't know for sure that they actually know anything rather than just uh, hoping. Oh, speculating maybe? Yeah, but I hope it's true because... Yeah, it's got that sort of Apple official looking, you know, picture going on there. Yeah, yeah. Notably, you know, we're recording here in April and it will not be in stock until July 28th, 2018. So presumably if there's uh, anything wrong with the design, they're going to pull them off the line, punch some holes in them for the Touch ID sensor and then move on (laughs) with their life, I guess. Punch holes in them. And interestingly enough, there's no notch. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Mind you, there's a bit of a bezel around the outside though, right? Yeah, true. So anyway, I just saw, yeah, there's quite a bit of bezel actually because I think iPads generally have that. They don't go edge to edge like the phones do, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it would be a little bit harder to have as little bezel on the iPad as you would on the phone because you sort of cradle the entire phone. Whereas the iPad, if if it went truly edge to edge, it would be, I think, quite a bit of an engineering challenge to make the um, palm rejection that much better. Well, it's not just that. It's also the magnets, right? Because there's magnets around the outside that hold the smart cases on. And as as well, the pencil also has, uh, I think, a metal bar in it that that, um, adheres itself to the side of the iPad so you can walk around with it pretty much. You can't fling it around, but it's strong enough to hold the pencil in place, right? Sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think they probably have to have room for the magnets on that. Anywho, all right. Um, what else we got? Um, quick one here, just uh, at the slump in, in Apple sales, or stock uh, stock dropped a bit again today, I think, um, on rumors that uh, man- Apple's manufacturer has, you know, slowing down the manufacturing um, of parts that go into making up uh, the iPhones, and uh, I think probably because the iPhone 10 um, had less less sales than expected. So, as an interesting story, I didn't put in from the star. I should look for it, but uh, they talked about the different manufacturers that are involved in making the parts for both the um, phones, iPads, and Macintosh, or the, you know, the, the MacBooks, right? Um, diff- and they named uh, different manufacturers there, but not in this article that I've got here. Another link in show notes. I'll find that one. Any thoughts on Apple slowing down? Yeah, now, did they say which ones, which company they're talking about? Well, not in this article. Like it, it was, uh, I can't remember the name uh, names off the top of my head. There was quite a yeah, few of them. Actually. I, I thought I saw one that was TSMC. Yeah, TMC, uh, TSMC for sure. We know them, which, right? Which is one I would take with a big grain of salt because the, mm-hmm. the semiconductor industry is is notoriously boom bust. Uh, it's very very cyclical uh, because when times are really good, uh, foundries will increase their capacity. Sure. Uh, and to the point where there's too much capacity, uh, and then they can't fill the fab, so they ha- they have to have a uh, yeah they'll they'll announce that they that they aren't full and there's potentially a downturn coming. Uh, and then when uh, things are after that point, they'll start reducing capacity to the point where they're constrained, and then they can report numbers where things are they're so overbooked that that they that things are going great. So it's a little bit of a of a game, and it's a and it's a little bit that the semiconductor cycle is very very cyclical or semiconductor industry very, very cyclical. So there mm-hmm. may just be some of that in this. Uh, it, it may be true though, but I would, you know, I would wait for other information before assuming that uh, that this is this is a real indication right. of anything. Right. If you're really curious about the, the companies that were named, I can run upstairs and get you. I don't know if you've heard of this thing. It's called a newspaper. It's actually made of paper and has like made letters printed on it. <laughs> you yeah. Like uh, e-electronic paper? What do you mean? Yeah, I use it, I use it underneath my <laughs> cereal bowl so I don't spill yeah. the milk on the table, yeah. you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like electronic Canadian paper, thing. but it's actually doesn't move. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you can't double click on it and stuff. I've tried; yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah, but if you were curious, I can run upstairs and grab that. Have um, you ever seen that? Speaking of that, have you ever seen like a, a, a two-year-old playing with a yeah. with a magazine after they're used to a, an iPad or, or, or an iPhone? Yeah, and they're trying yeah, 
tap it bit. and get it to do something and it doesn't work. They get really frustrated. Or they tap on the TVs. Have you seen them do that on the I TVs? I haven't seen too? them do that, no. So have you ever seen the tech support, the medieval tech support video? Yes. Where the guy, but, the guy but, comes over and says, you know, I've got this thing that's replacing the scroll. It's called the book. Yeah. And he puts it down and he opens the page and he goes, here's here's where all the words are. And then you close the book and, and then you open it up again. The words are still there, you know. Hmm. And then, then the guy, the hapless uh, user uh, ends up turning the book, closing the book the wrong way and can't open it because he's trying to open it on the binding side. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll have that one in the show notes for those of you driving at home. It's, it's a good one. It's worth a watch. It's hilarious, yeah. And it's, we may have to course. define what a book actually is, too, as well in the, in the show notes, right? That's true, yeah, for those of you. That's how you install We used to install software in our brains back in the day. Yeah. Books. Um, all right. Uh, just uh, This is a real quick hit. Just uh, I, I don't know if you remember, like uh, probably two years ago, I guess. How long has the watch been out? Two, three years now? Um, we talked about um, Apple was going to have special stores just to sell the watches, like in the high-end jewelry departments or whatever. Well, apparently uh, they're closing their last one. The last one that's still around is being closed on May 13th. And uh, this is somewhere, I think, in Japan. Um, and it's actually only opened like six months ago, which is which is sort of kind of funny. But, and, you know, like they have the 18 carat or the $18,000 gold edition watch there and everything like that. So... So I guess the whole idea of Apple having special boutiques to sell watches is not really flying. Right? Yeah. All right. Um, I think that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think, about uh, Facebook and how you could download your... Um, did we talk about this, about how you could download your, your profile and see what what's in Yes, I, th- I think I talked about it on Twitter, and I, ha- I found that mm-hmm. like, I had 700 names in there that I'd never opted in to allow my contacts to be, to be slurped up, right? Yeah, and we um, were speculating as to when that might have happened, depending on iOS's permission model at the specific time that you logged in yeah and, and it must have been relatively early because like like i said people like you who i've known for at least you know eight years now or seven years now um weren't in there so it must have been a long long time ago um but uh so apparently google also has a, a file on you if you use their services and uh apparently it's bigger according to this article than the facebook one um and of course it's funny i i, I don't know if you noticed the last couple of weeks all of the you know major players are coming out with their new terms of service and they're all you know focusing on privacy i got one from Twitter yesterday and you know Pinterest the day before, but here's a, another case where you can you can uh, go in and and this article shows you how to go and find your your Google um, Google profile and find out what's going on like what they know about you and it's and, you know I think we've talked about Gmail and stuff like that if you subscribe to Gmail they've always had the they've always reserved the right to read your mail right I don't know why people would think you would get a service for free and not not be trading off something for it right but yeah and then it's interesting in Canada um, I, I don't know it's like in the states but so we have a couple of major players who have Bell Canada and we have Rogers. So the, the, there are other providers, but those are the two main ones that people go to. And so Rogers, for instance, which I'm not a subscriber of, um, outsources their email services to Yahoo. And I think that I think Bell also does too. I can't remember who the Bell does too as well. But so if you're basically Yahoo uh, or somehow, I guess it's Yahoo, um, they out have in their clause, some some clause deep down in there that they're able to mine your uh, your friends and sell them to advertisers. Right, so here we go again. Right, um, thoughts on that? They shouldn't do that. What's that? They, they shouldn't, they do, shouldn't that. do that. It's bad. Um, it, but that's the thing. It's like you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with Google or what Rogers or whatever. You're, you're, you're trading opting. off yeah. something, right? You're opting to something, right? 
Yeah, you know, I think always... for all the ire that people have recently for Facebook and Google and other you know media networks, I'm surprised there isn't as much related to the ISPs because I don't think there is as much malice and quite frankly incompetence at Facebook and Google as there is at the you know Bell, Verizon's, so on and so forth of the world. You know Comcast. Um, at least there's you know you're going to have I don't know whatever you think of it, think of it times ten, and there's your ISP and they control closer, right? Like you can elect not to use Facebook and Google. We talked about DuckDuckGo as a as a privacy saving thing and you can, I don't know, use Ello or something instead of Facebook. And you can but, use TunnelBear to mask your, your traffic as well, yeah. Yeah, but what, what are you realistically going to do? I mean, hypothetically there's competition, you know, but practically it's like, oh, uh, it's Comcast or Time Warner depending which part of the U.S. you're in. And if you don't have that, well, you're in for a terrible time with really, really poor, slow DSL or if you're really hosed, you're probably using satellite, you know, if you're out in the boonies somewhere. So they yeah. sort of got you by the more sensitive areas and they're, <laughs> they're like unavoidable, right? It's like, oh, well, you know, uh, Puget Sound Electric did something terrible. It's like, what, what am I going to do? Not have electricity in my house? Like, right, right. go off the grid? Like, it's it's an enormous obstacle there. So I think it's something we should continue to focus on, uh, not in lieu of Facebook and Google, but also in addition of like, hey, wait a minute, what about this other thing here? Well, there's also the whole issue of net neutrality. I don't know what it's like in the States, but, you know, we've got, we've got Bell on one side, and I'm pretty sure Rogers is like just waiting to see what Bell does with it. You know, who are talking about you know throttling your services and and limiting which websites you can go to and that kind of stuff. But what which brings me to an, a, an instant realization: we actually have a guy from Europe on the call right now who can probably tell us how wonderful it is to use the internet out there. So, Marin, what's it like in 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 uh, you're in Berlin these days normally, right? Um, but yeah, I'm often in Berlin. That's for sure. But um, actually, in the last few months, we've been traveling a lot around in different countries um still um using our um my partner's maternity leave to just um basically yeah basically just to travel a little bit with the baby uh, so we've been to a few countries and i can share my insights from using the internet in random places <laughs> So I had a I had a rather um, chilling realization in Portugal, where I just grabbed this one of these prepaid data SIM cards and used it with a hotspot, and uh, it turned out that um, Vodafone was um, injecting a, a fat bunch of JavaScript into any HTTP pages that I was opening. So they would just basically oh use up the data in, inject it. no 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 um, they were in, they were basically adding like in the HTML page they would add a bunch of javascript at the end of it to you know show a bunch of ui in in any web page uh and show ads for their services oh wow yeah that was totally um it turned out that um net neutrality works differently in different (laughs) countries in the eu (laughs) (laughs) so there's that um basically it, it seems that it's more talk than anything that tangible that you can you know complain to somebody about right right um right and we know what we do with complainers over there right <laughs> yeah not much <laughs> yeah. um but yeah so um i would say there's um i would echo what i heard that um the isps are actually i think even bigger problem than than social networks because uh i mean just imagine that any single page you ever open you just ping your isp's dns server uh and they basically can track you you know every single step without even you know you ever knowing about yeah, that that's true that's true yeah i mean i use google's dns so i'm totally giving my information 
migration to Google for nothing, right? Right. So, and there's this new service, the Quadruple One um, DNS, yeah. which you know aims to solve part of this issue, um, so that you know, but you have to trust them, so you know they have the chance to, to track. Yeah, you. which one is that? That's the one 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 something or like that. Yeah, the one 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 one. Yeah, DNS. who's that buying? Um, I forget. Um, I also did forget, but I do remember the IP address. Yeah, no, I think I'm using. I was using it on something. I looked at it. Let's punch it into the browser. See what happens. Uh, it's like searching Google in Google, right? Oh yes, here it is. It's from DNS Internet Directory. I'll put a link in the show notes, of course, to this. Um, oh, Cloud Cloudflare and uh, AP Nick. Yeah, oh, yeah, Cloudflare. That's who they, those guys. They're, they're the ones that if you were using Cloudflare before, they they create a cache of your sites so that they're faster when you go to deliver them to various and sundry or using your your sites, right? So yeah, cool. So we still have net neutrality here in the states for now, but yeah, we do too. Yeah, yeah, but there's uh, there's a lot of talk right now from the FCC about about getting rid of it. Uh, although there's there's some pushback on that, which is good. And interestingly enough, several states, including California, are opposing their own legislation to have net, net neutrality on the state level. So so if you are in California, located in California, then the carriers have to treat you the same way they would if if net, net neutrality was across the country, which would be real interesting. Of course, if you go to some other state, it won't be that way. So you'll have to know where you are. But um, I, I almost wonder, though, if it, if it gets to that point, uh, if we'd get a situation kind of like the way the uh, the, the car uh, emissions used to be. I don't know if you know about this, mm-hmm. that California used to have much, much stricter yeah, emission standards than, than other states. So after a while, it just, because California is such a large uh, percentage of the population, after a while, it just became more cost effective for the car companies to just make all their cars that way rather than oh, trying to do, figure yeah. out which ones are they going to sell to California. So I, I wonder if the carriers would do the same thing with regards to this, if if it ever came to that. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. Back in the day, I used to have car manuals, those Haynes car manuals. Yeah, yeah. And they would always have like a chapter on, this is what's different in California. Right, right. But I didn't, didn't realize they're all the same now. Interesting stuff. Hopefully we'll just cool. get enough pushback that uh, that it'll stay intact everywhere, though. That would be... Well, we have a Canadian lawyer, Michael Geist, who, who posts a lot on Twitter. Uh, he's a Canadian internet lawyer and um, interesting guy to follow, but it, of course it only applies in Canada, the stuff he knows. Or, I mean, he knows quite a bit, right? Let's put it that way, but uh, it may be interesting to follow him, but um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on this uh, shenanigans from those people. Anyway, on a, on a happier note, um, there was an article in the New Yorker this week about our, our friend Susan Kerr, who we talked about on the show a couple of weeks ago, which is why this is follow-up, and it's an article about the woman who gave the Macintosh her, its smile, and, and she, of course, is the, the lady that was a friend of Andy Hertzfield who was brought into Apple to design the original um, um, bitmap artwork that would become the icons and things like you know, the bomb icon and the happy Mac and the sad Mac. And, you know, she made little icons of um, Steve Jobs and all the, all the various people she worked with, as well as she also uh, created the Chicago font and the San Francisco font and the Monaco fonts that were used. So, so her, uh, initially, her um, Chicago font was the menu font. So everybody saw that font, right? Um, and she was involved in a lot of the Mac Paint stuff. And uh, she did a lot of the original uh, artwork for, for the Mac. And so she's a fascinating lady. She worked for Apple for a number of years, worked with Steve Jobs and the original Macintosh team, um, you know, the ones that were the pirates, right? And then she went off and she worked for Facebook for a while. I think she's at Pinterest now. Um, but yeah, it's a fascinating lady. You know, from my perspective, from an art perspective, I think, you know, it's a, a very important person to follow. But there's a great, uh, I'm going to link that uh, New Yorker article, but there's also a great video interview with her from the Layers 2015 conference where she uh, gave a talk about the work that she did and tells a little bit, you know, a little bit of the history of it. And then, of course, she, John Gruber joins her afterwards and does a 
uh, you know, 20, 20, 30 minute interview with her about, uh, you know, different things uh, in tech and, and her involvement at Apple and that kind of stuff. So uh, interesting stuff. So, yeah, if you're interested in, in how the Mac got its smile, you know, the little happy Mac icon, it's definitely worth checking out. I think one of the more interesting nuggets that at least I saw on Twitter, I don't know if it came specifically out of this article or out of that video from Layers, but that she was, you know, more comfortable with doing pixel art because of her background in uh, cross-stitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which right. is an interesting sort of sort of uh, advocation for, you know, diversity in things like tech of like, hey, here is this skill that isn't immediately obvious as to how it would apply uh, to the technology sector, and, and yet it's did and it did so very well because these are iconic designs and that yeah. background of how you deal with cross stitch and how it's essentially like real world pixels I, I thought that was pretty neat yeah that's pretty cool like her her original palette was basically a piece of graph paper because you know she used to draw what 16 by 16 and 32 by 32 bit you know square artwork right so mm-hmm. Um, also, um, there is a website called folklore.org, which includes uh, yeah a lot of stories about the original Mac, and there's uh, further information about Susan Care over there. Um, I have it open right now, and actually, the funny thing in in the article about her is that the first Macintosh font uh, was designed to be a uh, bold right, system yeah. font, and it was originally called Elephant. Elephant, yeah, 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 <laughs> and stuff. So we've anyone wants to read more about you know, those times uh, it's a good address yeah i think that go. that book actually it was a, is a blog uh, maintained by andy hertzfeld and, the, and a bunch of other people like you know um uh, bill atkinson has a couple of pages or there's stories about him in there as well as you know the original people and i think that bo- it was published as a book and i think it was called um was it pirates of silicon value valley or it was something um, revolution, revolution valley. valley yeah 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 that's true yeah though so i always wanted to get a copy of that book but it's on my it's on my list of things on, at amazon to buy one day so yeah cool and of course, I think I mentioned well, last time we talked about Susan Kerr a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you go to her site, you can actually get uh, she sells prints, hand signed prints of uh, of the various icons. So if you want to stick those up on your wall, you know they'd, they'd be kind of a cool uh, keepsake. All right, so Jaime, you got some stuff for us uh, to talk about in the main part of the show? Yes, um, I think many folks got this same email, and if you didn't, I'd say go check your spam folder because it might be there, like Ooh. it was for me. Um, so Apple has started this new trade in program called Apple Giveback where you can trade in your uh, your smartphone or a computer, tablet, watch, which is interesting, or other devices. And it works sort of like, uh, I guess, Swappa or Gazelle.com that a lot of folks are probably familiar with, especially if you listen to podcasts, you've probably heard ads There's for Gazelle. There's also Orchard, right? Orchard Sorry? in Toronto. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the, the Canadian-friendly version was. But yeah. um, you essentially, you know, you, you clean the data off your device, you unlock it, and, you know, send it a package and so on and so forth. And they, they check it out, make sure it meets you know what you described it as in terms of condition and then they give you money usually in the form of like a gift card or something like like to amazon or ebay or whatever else they specify here apple has their own take where you you can ship it to apple or you can go right to an apple store and have that uh, delivered and from what i saw in the pricing it's pretty competitive i think gazelle from what i checked had you know like ten dollars more um but it is kind of convenient just being able to like oh well we're going to the mall okay well, let me just drop a 
off my my smartphone, you know, my old iPhone 7 Plus or something without having to, okay, let me wait for the box to come, put everything in the box, pack it really nicely, ship it, and wait. And I think one other sort of little bit of nuance here that's different is that you get a, um, I think it's an Apple Store, uh, yes, there we go, Apple Store gift card. Yeah, credit, Uh, yeah. So you can do that. You also have the option to recycle it for free, I guess. Um, I haven't seen anything really great on the web for what to do with the watch, especially for someone like me who has uh, the OG original watch. <laughs> That's just sitting there gathering dust as I'm using my Series 3. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know. Do y'all, y'all see this? Y'all interested in that? Is it just like yet another avenue? I'm looking at it now, and one thing that's really interesting is it's not just Apple devices. Yeah. So uh, when you click on computer, it uh, the first thing it says is who made it? Apple, HP, Lenovo, or other? So it looks like you can recycle right. other companies. Oh, and under smartphones, it's got an Apple, BlackBerry, Google, HTC, LG, Nokia, Samsung, other brands. So that's pretty cool that it's not just Apple products that they're taking back. No, that's a good thing. I think there's a lot yeah. of lot of talk about the what is electronic trash that's over in third worlds where you know kids are yeah. you know boiling solder to get the parts off to claim the gold and the platinum and whatever that's in these things, right? And yeah. and they're they're killing themselves to do it, right? I wonder if they're refurbishing the Apple products and scrapping the uh, the non-Apple products. No, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. uh, Jaime's got another link here. It'll probably tell us what's going to happen yeah, okay. with the stuff that when they get it. Yeah. yeah related to that is uh, a new recycling robot, which itself has been recycled from Liam, which we talked about like a year or two ago, probably. Um, a new one is called Daisy. It's more sophisticated in terms of how it is able to take apart these old phones and turn them into recyclable components, which is swell and fantastic. Um, apparently here, it can disassemble up to 200 phones or iPhones an hour, and it separates parts and removes certain components. So uh, I thought that was kind of, kind of neat. It doesn't seem like that much capacity to me if they only have you know one of these but at least it's a start right i mean um how many iphones do people want to recycle um, they retain their value and their utility for such a long time i've certainly talked about this on the show of like you know people who are running still around using with iPhone 3G, 5s man. and iphone 4s's haven't helped them they're still on 3g but sure they, they decide to hang on to it so maybe it's not unreasonable to have 200 phones an hour for this sort of thing yeah i still have a 3g sitting around somewhere yeah but in the video you can see they, they pretty much strip the whole um, thing down and you know they feed they just feed a bunch of iPhones in and it's actually it's it's like the size of a it's not a small room it's like it's a quite a big space that this thing takes up right so um, perhaps they're going to be building more of these but it, it again it's a good thing where Apple sort of taking back and and um, doing the responsible thing as a manufacturer right so I think I mentioned that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago or must have a couple of months ago I guess that um, uh, we have there's a service started up here by a couple of students from U- University of Toronto about three or four years ago called Orchard and we talked about them on the show at one point and but then I actually took advantage of their service with my 6 plus because Carol doesn't want you know she doesn't like the size of the phone and she said she would never use it and you know other family members weren't interested in it and it still had some value so I put it up on Orchard and they offered me you know $240 for it based on you know my answering the questions but when they got it because it had been in the case the entire time I owned it and I also had a screen protector on it it was like pretty pristine by the time they got it they gave me an extra 50 bucks so I got around pretty close to $300 Canadian for which is I know 50 cents American but um, they gave me a, a fair trade-in for for this device that would have just like you said just sat in a drawer and you know now somebody else gets to enjoy it and you know I get I get some a little bit of cash to help pay for my you know 2k phone you know the iPhone 10 right or the 10 plus whatever it's gonna cost next year 10 plus yes yes hey Marin you don't have an iPhone 10 right I do have an SE an SE oh okay cool yeah 
Yeah, because I remember. And I'm going to take the SE10 whenever it comes out. SE10? What's that? Um, there, there were a bunch of rumors. I don't know if any of them are true that there would be a new SE model coming out relatively soon. Oh, okay. I think it was on Mac Rumors, if I'm not sure, uh, if I'm not wrong. Um, I don't know. I um, Maybe my hand is too small. Um, I really I, I really can't um, can't um, hold these big phones in my hand comfortably. Yeah. I really prefer the smaller one. Yeah, it's ironic that they were getting down, like, you know, before the uh, smartphones came out, the phones were getting smaller and smaller and smaller until they almost fit in your ear kind of thing, right? And now we're, yeah. now we're back to, like, you know, swatting flies with our phones, right? Right. It, it was hilarious on Futurama when, when um, uh, you know, Amy had uh, this super fancy new phone and then she inhaled it by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a tipping point, and then they kind of like started growing from there back back to you know, bigger and bigger. Right, I think they All did just get on. <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> they did a skit on on um, on uh, before I think it was the iPhone came out when they were talking about the iPod how it kept getting smaller and smaller and they had the guy dressed as Steve Jobs on Saturday Night Live and, and it was called the iPod Air and it kind of and he lost grip on it and it just started floating away it was so small <laughs> Anyway. Um, but by the way, the the SE I bought it um, I bought it in an Apple store in Germany um, when I was there, and uh, I just brought in my um, 6s, um, and they gave me I think around 300 US dollars on the spot for wow. it. Wow! So yeah. they just like subtracted it from my invoice for for the SE, and that's it. I think it was quite comfortable just uh, bringing the old phone. They just evaluated it in like a couple of minutes uh, with a some kind of a software or device. I don't know. Yeah, but don't you guys pay uh, crazy prices for things in Europe, like for Apple? We, we do, yeah, we do. So it's really comfortable to you know have any discount, and and this was substantial. Um, How long ago was discount. that? Um, that was last uh, summer, okay. last um, maybe May nice. or so. Yeah. So uh, I did find it quite comfortable just to you know come with the old device. Um, everything gets handled for you, and then you just leave with the new one. Yeah. Did it do all your transfer and everything for you as well? Um, no, I did. I did have a backup um myself so i just took the new device and left cool i mean i paid for it sure and then i left sure <laughs> just to be clear that no thievery was <laughs> anyone's listening <laughs> want to make sure that uh you know fair and square cool so the old bait and switch eh, Aaron? um so i mean you got another piece for for us on apple's open source software stuff yes this is one that i have to admit i had never heard of until i saw this announcement about it being open source so Apparently, Apple acquired Foundation DB uh, back in like 2015-ish, I believe, and uh, that is a key-value store. So I sort of think of it very similar to like I don't know Mongo or Parse or many other uh, key-value store type of databases. But um, you know that team has been folded into wherever it is they are. I assume they're probably like in CloudKit or something or something mm-hmm. else iCloud related. And uh, the nice part is if you've built on their platform since what 2010 when they began as a startup, you're not left in the cold. They've uh, open sourced Foundation DB. Uh, saw tons of folks on Reddit and Hacker News who are pretty excited about that. So I think that's great. You know, certainly things like you know Parse that we talked about for, for many years um, is still you know reasonably alive and well in the open source community. Community, even if the service itself has expired. Which is Parse? Parse was the Parse. one that expired, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, okay. So it's still going. Eh? Um, so I hadn't heard of Foundation until I told this as, as well. Had you guys heard of it before? I had not. No. Neither had I. Oh. Oh, all right. I wonder how it compares to Realm. That was your segue, Baron. <laughs> Some quality segue work there. <laughs> <laughs> 
I I would know. <laughs> I completely would not know because I really have not heard about Foundation to be uh, until the open source announcement. Um, so I can't really tell how they compare. Um, you, but Realm has an has an online storage thing service right now, don't they? Cloud, and Realm Cloud or something? Right. Yeah. So Realm um, is also open source. The database is, uh, and they have a server component which basically allows all the clients to sync um, very efficiently um, between clients and server um, either way but um, now they are um, kind of like soft launching a cloud service as well so uh, you know if you are a big enterprise you will get the server component and run it on your own infrastructure oh, really? and okay, pay cool, cool. software license or you can just start with the cloud and uh, you know pay for what you use if you're a startup maybe. yeah that's one of the things we were talking about this at work when Realm came out because um, you know they, I wear the t-shirt at work the world tour t-shirt <laughs> that you designed um, and uh, they uh, they were I mean everything we do because we're a bank has to be self-hosted you know we don't really do anything in the cloud right so for obvious reasons but um, I wasn't aware that Realm has a self-hosted service that's cool oh yeah um, yeah yeah that's the they, they have this two two kind of like two, two different two different um, uh, I guess target groups so one will be exactly like you guys um, for people who want to you know 100% own their data um, and that's important for them they would like to host the server uh, on their own infrastructure and others want exactly the opposite <laughs> don't care where the data is stored just they don't want to pay much so um, you know the cloud service just gets them started right away sure. and is it like is it free generally the service um, if you're doing the cloud version um, the cloud version is uh, currently I think that you can get one one instance for free um i'm not 100 percent sure um and up to a certain amount of connections uh will be free but then you will start to pay for what you're using yeah so i only went through the first couple of chapters of your book but did you do you talk about the using the cloud service in the book oh the book is primarily about the database mm-hmm. uh and there's a uh, um, one chapter at the end where because you it basically i mean cloud sync or not it's it's still realm that that runs um, everything so the book covers the database and then at the end we show how to connect that to the cloud and then the actual syncing is automatic so uh, it's kind of like an, an addition to everything that you learn throughout the book right we should tell people what the book is it's the new book from on rewinderlick.com oh yeah it's a it's a fairly recent launch <laughs> uh, i think two weeks ago yeah uh, and it's about all about realm database uh and also speaks about the uh, realm cloud which is um hot out of the oven um on realm's website cool all right. Did we want to say anything else about Foundation, I mean? No, because I hadn't heard of it, as I mentioned. I hadn't heard of it until I <laughs> <laughs> was heard it was open sourced and saw all sorts you of backend. Just bring the links, yeah. Okay. Excited about it. I was like, oh, great. I mean, I, I think more open source is better. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's chat a little bit about the uh, the book. I don't think we actually said the specific name. I have it right here in front of me. Realm, Building Modern Swift Apps with a Realm Database. First edition by Marin Todorov. It's got the, you can go to uh, Ray Renderlich's store, and it's got the uh, what is, is that a marlin? I saw it on the colophon, but I couldn't remember. Uh, it's a big swordfish sort of thing. So um, I've only had this book for... Uh 
couple things here. Um, I think some of the thoughts I had were that it, it covers quite a bit that's really nice. So uh, using the Realm database itself, of course, which is really nice and uh, sort of dealing with uh, the basics and you know how to do you know migrations and other sorts of things that you might do with like, let's say alternatives like core data. Um, and then it goes into some interesting spots like dealing with uh, reactive apps and dependency injection and testing, which was great. I definitely tickled by that. And then as just mentioned, the uh, Realm Cloud, you know, Realm platform stuff, which is, is really nice. And uh, browsing through some of the, the sections and, and reading the, the style, I think if you're familiar with the Ray Render like book style, which is, at least in my mind, slightly different, but definitely in the same sort of tone and vein as the RayRenderLake.com articles, mm-hmm. I think you'll know what you're getting into. It's definitely quality, um, definitely a lot of, you know, step-by-step, here's how this thing is explained. It doesn't sort of just hand wave and then like, all right, well, go on with this 20,000 page thing that you don't understand or this 20,000 line uh, project file that you have no idea like there's really nice uh colored diagrams um little bits of chunks of code they're talked about and then other tools like realm studio and um i somehow have never had this on the show as a pick but uh sim folders is, is actually recommended right here in mm-hmm. like the intro section so that's oh, really nice. nice that's a shortcut to your your um simulators folders right yes which became really handy when they became just randomized guids or something as far as i could tell it didn't say you know iphone 4s iphone 5s oh, right. as it did yeah and, the Xcode 4 or 5 time frame. So does uh, SIM folders make that transparent to the user so you can see what they are instead of the gobbledygook names? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, SIM folders actually shows up in your in your system menu on the top. So uh, it always it always shows a dropdown with the latest um, uh, apps that you've been running in, in which simulator they are. And you can just browse the simulators by name and it shows you all the apps that you have there. Um, and also for each app, then there's a shortcut to the documents folder you can reveal the app container and there's also handy shortcuts like uh, for example they added recently um, you can just choose the app name and then there's a, a straight away there's a menu item that opens the realm file that the app uses directly in studio so if oh, you yeah. want to you know speak in the data you can just it takes a couple of clicks to just um, open that file right away and the, so, really the cool. studio app is a, it's a mac app you download or something like that or yeah it is it is a it is a new uh, before there was a there was a, an app called the Realm Browser, and now it's called Realm Studio, and uh, there's a little bit more. Um, not only you yeah. can browse and edit your data files, but it also uh, connects to your cloud, and you can um, you know administer your cloud instances and so forth uh, from within the app. Cool. Mark, have you looked at uh, Realm since we went to the tour a couple of years last year? <laughs> I haven't looked at uh, at Realm itself, but I did read chapter one of the book, so I got a little bit of an introduction to it. Uh-huh. Cool. Oh yeah, you were you were at the uh, opening um very exciting one right a special yeah. event going on there yeah, we, were, we were there for the exploding cigarette <laughs> truck <laughs> yes. uh, that was unfortunate but uh yeah <laughs> the universal studios yeah. edition where like indiana jones comes out and punches a nazi and then it escapes away on the speedboat it was very exciting yeah i'm surprised they didn't do it at all the events yeah yeah <laughs> No, I must say, I must say that uh, you know the rest was uh, was fairly fairly uh, um, uneventful. Just, <laughs> just, just just programmers learning about Realm and you know being generally 
happy. <laughs> right. Cool. Small little segue because I, I think I misheard something. Tim, Tim, did you say that Marin was involved in designing the t-shirt for the Realm World Tour? Yeah, we stole his idea for the, the World Tour t-shirt. I asked, I sent him an email saying, hey, can I steal your idea? He said, sure, totally. Or Slack, I think it was, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was um, I was on the team who um, basically um, designed and uh, executed the Realm Tour. Um, and, uh, you know, I was involved in many things uh, like the website, the logos, um, all the um, graphics and so forth. So uh, uh, including the T-shirt and, uh, and uh, you know, basically pretty much everything. I worked on the examples that um, everybody was using, um, slides, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere. I was I was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. I w- decided to wear my Realm World Tour shirt uh, in honor of the fact that you were going to be a guest on the show today. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I was reminded of the fact that the last time I wore it, which was, I don't know, maybe like three weeks ago, um, I actually got complimented by it when I was, you know, waiting in line to uh, to get some fast food. I was stopped in, um, you know, after running errands. And the uh, the lady who was uh, serving up my um, my food was like, oh, that's a nice shirt. Like, oh, thank you. Uh, it looks oh, wow. it, it looks really keen and neat. Um, it's got sort of that, I mean, it, it does look like a, uh, like a tour t-shirt that you would get for, you know, like a rock band. And it's definitely got sort of a, a retro vibe to it, which is what I think folks appreciated. So kudos on that. I didn't know that you were actually involved in that, like, like in the design of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we, well, um, yeah, there was, there was, of course, uh, you know, an extended team that, that, uh, was involved, but, uh, um, it was a, it was a project where I must say that, um, all of us were so happy to be, to be working on this project. Definitely was a, was a very nice feeling. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we move on to our picks now. Sounds good. Sure. All right. Well, my first pick here, I just, I just saw this actually came out a couple of days ago, uh, or I guess last, yeah, 18th of uh, April. Um, and it's another one of these, uh, quick, um, I think it was from Bloomberg. It's five useful 3D touch features of your iPhone that you probably didn't even know were there. But I mean, other than, you know, the recommendation, general recommendation is to, is to try 3D touch on your, on your phone, like on any app, just to sort of see what's there. Um, now I'm drawing a blank on what some of the highlights were, but, um, like, you know, the, you know, the one where if you, if you see a picture, an image or whatever in on a website and you used to 3D touch on it to, to save it, but now you 3D touch and you swipe up and, and it brings up a copy or save to photos kind of thing. So if you want to use it in a tweet or whatever, or paste it onto a website. Um, if you press and hold on the, do a 3D touch on the messages icon, a message it up, for instance, it'll bring up a short menu and it shows you the last three people you had uh, conversations with, which is kind of handy. Um, what else was there? There's a bunch of things on the control panel. Um, you know, when you got the controls up there, you can 3D touch on the brightness and you can uh, just slide up and down on the brightness um, and you can turn on night shift and true tone uh, instantly. Um, if you're using the flashlight app, you can you can um, adjust, use 3D touch to adjust the, the brightness of the flashlight as well. You know, of course, if you want to get to the uh, wireless menus and stuff like that, you 3D touch on the on the um, air air sharing wireless. Uh, wire, I guess it's a networking little control panel there. Um, anyway, check out this video. It's got a, quite a few tips on on uh, how to use 3D touch uh, or some things that you didn't know about 3D touch, like in five of them specifically. Um, that talks about this uh, 3D touch feature that we it's, it's evolved quite a bit and it kind of gets uh, ignored. People don't really talk about it much. So that's my pick for this week. So I don't know if you guys have tried any of these. 3D touch things or discovered anything about on your phones? Of course, I'm new to it because I just came from a uh, iPhone 6, right? Plus, which had didn't have had lame screen as opposed to 3D touch screen. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's slightly difficult about 3D touch is that I it, it's hard to discover stuff like that. 
But when you do, it becomes pretty easy or, or sort of second nature to do it if you just try it a few times. Well, at least that's what I've found. But it's hard to tell, like, okay, if I 3D touch on this one particular pixel, what will it do? So I guess you, you could just right. try mashing around for a little bit. Or if you pick up your phone from your you know your table or something and accidentally discover it, as I have before, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that was 3D Yeah, touch. yeah. Good well, I know. still struggle with this, with the drag and drop on my iPad, like because that involves 3D touch, too, or, you know, 3D two-finger 3D touch. And yeah, the one thing I want to talk about the, on this, the, the coolest tip that I saw though was like if you're if you're in editing something, I'm just going to find some text here. And you know how when when you start typing and uh, you 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 start keying in the wrong letters and you, and you do that thing with your finger and you try and roll to to um, to try and get your cursor to back to the other letter if you make a letter wrong. If you press if you force touch on the keyboard, you can actually you can swipe back and forth inside the, the text and place place your cursor wherever you want, which is a much like the the keyboard goes oh, all kind of gray yeah that's a good one that's a real good one. and the and the other thing too is if you have a, a document that has a lot of text on it let me just find one it's got a lot of text on it um you can like if you have a paragraph of text find me a paragraph of text phone siri need a paragraph of text um yeah, let me i'll go grab an email anyway in that one if you have a, pa- a par- if you do the same trick you can um if you have your, your your if you make a selection and you press and hold on the keyboard you can actually slide up and down or swipe up and down to select blocks of copy which is kind of handy too right that's that's i think those are the two coolest ones that i, I found in this uh, this video you guys try that i haven't done that one with the block selection yeah but you have you done the one with the swiping back and forth with the with the text like to I've move done the, the cursor the one where you know i'm like whoops there's a typo three lines above where the cursor happens to be and instead of you know touching over getting a little magnification icon just like all right let me just 3d touch on the the keyboard and move the cursor up that's that's one i commonly use you've used that before okay mm-hmm. let me see if i can just select and then I don't know how I did that. I'll have to watch the video again. Anyway, I can't. I, I can only move the cursor, but yeah, I can't get the text, text to select. Anyway, that's my pick. That's my first pick for uh, for today. Um, my second pick is this guy I know who wrote this app called Snippity, um, and his name is Marin Todorov. So maybe he could talk about it. But it's uh, um, if we're doing ever doing demo talks, or whatever, and you you can use uh, like I'm going to butcher this, Marin, Marin. Apologies, but you can write mar- uh, Markdown to uh, create inserts for your demo, so you don't have to suffer people to suffer watching you type through uh, a live demo right Marin? yeah that's that's pretty much it yeah exactly <laughs> it's uh it's a it's a snippet snippet man it's a snippet manager that helps you during live demos and actually uh last week at a conference somebody somebody described it to me as a deck set for your live demos which um, yeah. I mean yeah it's a deck set is the that um presentation software that turns markdown into slides oh i see right yeah 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 um so i thought it was a funny comparison Comparison. Um, so, because the set takes care of your slides, but when you switch to to code, uh, it doesn't cover you there. So, right, right. okay, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, well, it's funny because I, I last time I did a demo, a live demo for a talk, I used um, I, I made um, what do you call those. Um, uh, code code snippets in in Xcode, and I had to number each one and make sure they lined up in the right order. And then when I moved from one machine to the other, I had to go into the Xcode you know profile and move and find them and move them over. And, and it was just it was a world of hurt. But that's how I that's how I did it before you know. So, yeah. Or I used services. Interesting interesting story is that actually the first prototype of Snippety I did for the Realm World Tour. Oh yeah, because yeah, because we had to do the, these live demos right, like with with code and you know. Adding code and getting everything to work and so forth. So uh, uh, just sit down and for a couple of hours and put together like a quick Swift app that I had to recompile every time when I wanted to make any changes to the snippets. <laughs> 
Um, but now, now it's now it's much better. Now, now it loads files and everything is super polished. And so cool. Fun. Yeah, and there used to be Code Monkey we used to use back in the day. It was sort of a copy and paste tool, but it was a bit painful. You had to again, you had to have everything lined up, you know, perfectly to make sure it was. Mm-hmm. I guess it, well, you can you can order things in in Snippety as well. It seems to be more visual in terms of how you do that, right? Um, yeah. Well, it's a it's a markdown file, so you can open it and in your editor just like move things around as as much as you want. Yeah. Cool. All right. And yeah, it is really just, really neat because. Uh, I don't know if you all recall, this was in our like our, our, our private Slack where I said, hey, does anybody know of a good tool that you can use for you know handling all these snippets in, in a specific order that you'd want to replay them? And this this would have, I think, fit the bill. So I'm definitely going to try this out because I've still got uh, a conference or two later this year where using this sort of thing would be quite handy. So it's much appreciated. Sure, yeah. Cool. All right, Hami, you got a pick for us? A couple of picks. Uh, before I go in there, uh, I'm going to do real-time follow-up because I'd said earlier that I thought it was a, a swordfish or a marlin Ooh, on the book. Nice. Turns out it's a sailfish. I found it on the about the cover section, so I was pretty close. It's a fin fish. I'm surprised Martin didn't nail you on that. <laughs> yeah, he, he was so kind, or, or he was in cahoots with Greg, who almost certainly would have tweeted at me about it. Ah, but, right, uh, yes. He probably will anyway, because he... I hope he does, work. like, wh- while he's listening to the episode, <laughs> so that he'll tweet again and be like, oh. Yeah, so there you go, Greg. You see... <laughs> You don't know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can set these traps for him in the future. I hadn't really realized the possibilities of that. But um, beyond that, a couple things. So before before we move off, before we move off, have you have you noticed the pattern of of covers on RayWernerlich.com, like for the store? There's definitely been an an oceanography sort of theme for a while Uh now. It's slightly changed now. If you go back and look. Oh, let me take a look. Exciting. Drum roll, please. If you notice this. I hope Vicky's listening. Sorry, too many of these in my history so I had to go back to the main. <laughs> do, do, do. You click on all. Don't you get them all? All. Let's see. Supported and all. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it looks like it's a lot of ocean stuff in the, in a very much distinct blue uh, blue ocean sort of feel with a right. geometric um, like a geometric pattern in the back. And you don't notice anything different. I, I it guess it is, depends on what you see on your screen, right? Yeah, it is escapes me at the moment what specifically you're talking about. So do you, see, do you see data structures and algorithms and then Realm and then design patterns and then Android Apprentice? Do you see mm-hmm. those ones in that order? Mm-hmm. And Kotlin Anything the different about the Kotlin ones or the Android ones? So those are birds Weird. that I see. Ah. There. Yeah. And the reside Swift with Vapor is like some sort of amphibian. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually um, it's a tadpole or something, I think. Um, amphibian. It's like a Ooh. nematode or something. Yeah, no, definitely. I was looking for the birds and the fish for Android versus uh, iOS. And what are they implying with poor data, it being an octopus? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just the design. Yeah. Hard to handle? I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that the foundation one is like the sea anemones and, or the uh, sort of design patterns. It's not necessarily fish per se, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. The, the criminology of the, the pattern uh, design for the, the book covers is... is 20 new. years from now, this will be a trivia question. So mark that down in your little books, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, when When was It'll the last time they used... Uh, stump the experts yeah, question. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're interleaved, though. This would be a really hard question, because, like, Unity Games by Tutorials has iOS Apprentice, which is the newer style, but then the older style right after that is 3D Apple Games by Tutorials. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's funny, on our Slack, we talk about whenever we have some new exciting subject matter, like whether it's electric cars or whatever, somebody will say electric cars by tutorials. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, usually me, but that's beside the point. Okay, so what do you got for us as far as picks go, I mean? Yeah, this is continuing, I think, a, a multi-week theme here that was completely unintentional. So we've talked about bringing you know very old software into the future uh, with the Windows File Manager being brought from uh, Windows 3 or 3.1 days into Windows 10 land. Um, in a very similar vein, here's a blog here about bringing Objective-C to the Amiga. So that's a that's a blast from the past there. Okay, uh, yeah. Apparently, as of this writing, it's, it's not quite done yet, but uh, kind of interesting that, that somebody would sort of go through that effort. It's like when people say, oh, can I get Doom running on my Apple Watch sort of thing? You know, like, like how far can you push the, the limits of what's happening here? And I'm always now, the Amiga, is that the one that used the, the 68040 processors, the Motorola's? I think oh, it was way before the 68040, I think. But weren't they? Because were, I remember, didn't they? Wasn't the Amiga that fancy graphic system? Maybe it was. Yeah, maybe it was. I think that was their. It was, their it was cl- one of the first ones to use the, the 68000. Yeah, like I think. I think they were using yeah. them at the same time as Apple was, is what I'm getting at, right? So yeah, because the, the Commodore Pat and the Commodore 64 were the, were still 6502s, and then yeah, and the Amiga and the and the uh, Power Max and or Quadras. One of the Power Max were Power PCs, but before but Quadras, the first Max were 68000s, right. and the Atari uh, ES is that what it was called? I forget. Max yeah, Quadras. Oh, uh, the, yeah. the Amiga system. No, the Amiga was the Commodore. Oh, okay. So there was Commodore, Apple, Atari were kind of the three. Texas Instruments, right? At the same time, yeah, but they were always kind of different because they were they were. I think they might have been uh, 8080 based as opposed to 6502 based. Oh right, okay. For okay. 68,000 based, yeah, cool. I think a long time ago. All right, um, we got another pick for us, Jaime. Yes, this is something a little bit more in line. If folks have been listening to us talking about you know Amazon Echo and Google Assistant for the Google Home and so on and so forth, uh, Amazon has come out with um, Alexa Blueprints, which is something you can use to build. Alexa skills for your own Echo, notably, and we'll come back to that, uh, without any code. So they've got all these sort of oh, right. nifty templates like, you know, trivia or uh, facts about, you know, my home. So if you have like a like an Airbnb or you have a like a babysitter or dog sitter of like, oh, you know, what sort of, how often should Rover be fed? Okay, well, here's how much and here's how often they should be taken out for a walk and that sort of thing. Uh, notably, you can't use this to put something out into the sort of open skills store. So very similar to like the app store. Um, this is kind of more akin to just, you know, putting th- things on your own device. In this case, your, your Echo. So it's really meant for, I think, you and your family sort of thing. It's not, I, presumably Amazon didn't want to open the floodgates uh, too wide for, you know, rampant abuse, uh, particularly with people trolling uh, nowadays. Um, but I think it was really neat that they created this sort of thing where you can get that sort of interactivity without having to code, even though it's not necessarily like the most difficult code and certainly Amazon's developer relations team does a really good job of you know helping people get started with a lot of templates and a lot of coding examples and tutorials um, I'm really really kind of hoping that we'll see something kind of vaguely similar for the HomePod and Siri where you know we can have sort of uh, interface builder esque sort of ways to build some of these interactions with voice assistants like Siri. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't use like the, what's that metaphor they use for teaching kids to code it's like um, where you, you put have like building blocks and you kind of put them together and they kind of nest into each other like, like puzzle scratch Scra- is that scratch yeah yeah i'm surprised i didn't use that something like that hmm. it's like apple script for your alexa i guess right yeah. or automator for your alexa yeah i mean the the workflow team was acquired by apple all oh, right what about a year ago now so i think a lot of folks are hoping that we'll see uh automator plus plus or automator you know next gen coming out of that mm. group uh, come dub dub right that'd be cool all right so marin you had a pick you put on the slack do you want to use it here um oh yeah 
yeah, um, I okay. have not tried out the book, um, but uh, I noticed the link and I had a look at the at the book page. It uh, looks interesting. Uh, it's a it's a new book coming out of author Chris Adamson. Mm-hmm. It's called Xcode Treasures, and that's why uh, I got so excited, even without um, reading through. It's still in beta version, um, and um, I because you know Xcode is a is a uh, really big app right like it's a it's a it's an app that does a lot of things and i feel that oftentimes people would focus on uh you know some small things uh not working or not working as expected or just working differently than in a previous version but actually there's a lot of things that do work and uh you know i think that sometimes it's just difficult to discover them all and learn about them and so forth so um actually i'm really planning on getting xcode treasures and uh you know, reading through and uh, actually I'm just really excited to learn more about Xcode. <laughs> right, right. And our yeah. friend of the show, Tammy, uh, edited the book, so did you know? Oh, she did? Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know. That's amazing. Um, then then I would definitely <laughs> ask, ask for a discount. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, and and there may be a spoiler on Roundabout coming up, if you know what I'm saying, in a couple of weeks, so oh, okay. nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. Speaking of books, though, hey, Ray has generously offered to give one of our listeners a copy of Rip Marin's latest book, which is the, um, what's it called? The Realm it's title again, Jaime? You would ask that when iBooks crashes oh. on me. <laughs> I had it right in Realm front of me building modern, I've got it right go iBooks. It's Realm, Building Modern Swift Apps with Realm Database is what it is. So we have to come up with some ways. So what do we get them to do to win this book? Stand on their heads? I know. Let's have a lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> <laughs> we should have one in the show notes. Um, <laughs> maybe make it part of like a like a, a, a Twitter poll or something, and then you know sure. randomly choose somebody, and then we'll we'll end up exchanging information about uh, how best to get the book to you. Sure, anything we Mark, can make our own do? rules about how the time that you jo- that you sign up for the lottery affect yeah. your chances of winning. That's true. Yeah, like if you're closer to California, your, your odds should be lo- less, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the that's population right. of developers in California, right? Yeah, that's right. What is it? First past the poll, as we call it up here in Canada. What do you call it in the States? Uh, representation by, I don't know, population or whatever? <laughs> yeah, something like that. All right. Okay, Mark, do you have a pick for us? I do have a pick. So uh, this is uh, actually related to some stuff we talked about earlier uh, regarding privacy uh, in apps, uh, oh, really? as well as some stuff we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which was the uh, GDPR compliance, which... I, Jaime, you can probably remind us what that means because I can't remember. But it, I think it's uh, general data protection regulation. Yes. Okay. So uh, so our friends at uh, Mixpanel, which is the analytics company, have added a really nice feature. I, I think real nice mm. from a from a corporate citizenship point of view. Uh, it just came out five days ago. It's it's available on their in their open source SDK on GitHub. And what this does, this new feature allows you as a developer to allow your users to opt in and out of of tracking at runtime. So it basically has a bunch of methods that you as a developer call based on presumably some, you know, some uh, prompt that you ask the user if they want to be up, if they want to be included or not. Uh, and just by calling a simple method, you can you can either turn off or turn on mixed panel tracking for your app, which I think is a real nice thing. I mean, especially considering mixed panels offering this and by doing so, they're enabling people to not use their service, right? Which seems a little bit contradictory 
for for their business. But but as I said, from a from a corporate citizenship point of view, I think it's a really great thing, and it allows us to to uh, really do what our customers want. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever worked with Google's. Uh, I don't know what it's like now that that it's it's Firebase based, but um, I had to put Google's um, analytics into a couple of apps in the past, and one of their rules is you have to have uh, the ability for the user to opt out of being tracked. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have. I'm just looking trying to scroll through the settings on my phone here to see if I can find an example. Yeah, I haven't used that with like the Google Analytics, but it does remind me uh, an awful lot of the way that IDFA works, the identifier for advertiser, where you are required to um, you know honor the user's do not track bit. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing that through Facebook's analytics SDK, where um, you could grab that information as well and, and then honor it from there too. Actually, with IDFA, it's even, it's even stronger than honoring the request. iOS will, if they have that turned off in settings, iOS will just not even give you an IDFA. It just returns nil. Right. So really. you can't you can't do anything with it if if you're if the user has opted out. But I would think that that manufacturers like like Mixpanel are doing here are um are like a, like the Googles and the Facebooks and the Mixpanels of the world would be adding that to their framework. So if you updated the framework into the into the app, it would have some sort of opt outy kind of thing, right? Well, that's exactly what this is. Yeah, yeah. In, in the case of okay, yeah. in the case of Mixpanel, but I mean, I'm thinking that Google and Facebook and all because we you know people use Facebook login all the time and um, if you're using Google Ads or Google Analytics or um, the Firebase stuff in in your apps right so mm-hmm. AdMob I think AdMob's under Firebase now or the Firebase um, framework I guess or plugin or CocoaBot or whatever yeah I think so um, but yeah thanks thanks for bringing this up Mark because I had no idea that Mixpanel did this this is as you mentioned really really nice corporate citizenship on their part um, certainly the the tide is changing I think right before the show we were talking about you know if you're anything like me you've probably been bombarded the past week in particular from all your various yeah. sites that even remotely have a terms of service or terms and conditions privacy policy type thing with like hey by the way this is changing on this date it's sometime in may i forget exactly when and even had a, a couple that uh, required me to uh, accept the new terms if i wanted to continue using their service which was uh, kind of interesting mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um that's cool so uh, by the way speaking of mixed panel you know, they're the people that also give us the uh, the, the numbers on um, adoption rates and I read today and I wasn't on mixed panel but apparently um, 74% of iPhone or iOS users are on uh, 11 iOS 11 or something and only 4% are on Android 8 in terms of adoption actually I looked up the numbers a couple of days ago yeah and it was more like 87% 80% okay on okay. iOS yeah yeah could I just saw it in passing and maybe it was an old piece but I just thought it was interesting that you know here we are again with you know everybody just moves on to the new OS on on um, yeah on the iOS side and, and Android you know because of the way the the phone manufacturer phone carriers and the manufacturers limit the ability to update the the devices people can't really move forward with things right so yeah. which yeah, uh, you I know of course you, this is this is actually not surprising because it's it's always by the time we're about a month away from WWDC it's always a roughly ninety percent adoption uh, sure. and Android of course is ridiculously low <laughs> it struggles and you know we we didn't cover it because it's you know Android is not really our land but there was a big, uh, big bit of controversy. I don't know within the last couple of weeks, where it turns out that for the handful of devices from the handful of manufacturers that supposedly get updates, you know, to 
security patches and stuff. It turns out a lot of those weren't actually occurring. They were fake updates. They weren't doing really? anything at all. Wow. So, you know, think about that funnel of, you know, will you even get an update? Yes, no. And then from that filtered list, did they actually give you a real update? Yes or no. And, and that's really how bad things are uh, in that ecosystem, somewhat out of Google's control. I'm hoping come Google I.O. in May, hopefully Google has a, a better solution for that because that's beyond just an embarrassing problem. It's also a societal problem too, right? You, you don't want unsecure software floating around. In fact, uh, on the iOS side and, and macOS side, there's updates that if you haven't updated, by golly, go update. It's a rather small 80 meg update, not that big of a deal, and you'll be that much more secure. Um, this is less of a concern on the Apple side where you know there is the con and, and certainly a lot of gnashing of teeth of like how aggressively Apple pushes us forward. Um, every morning, one of my test devices for work is like, hey, by the way, I'm going to update from iOS 10 to iOS 11. Uh, just type your pin code here and then I'll do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't try to do that. I'm specifically keeping you at 10 for <laughs> testing purposes. <laughs> Right. So they're using these dark, even these dark patterns to try to like convince you to do it. Uh, this is, you know, it's not always rainbows and unicorns, but it's generally a good thing. Yeah. Well, the other Colorado race, it's, it's kind of like, you know, saying if we put a seatbelt in your car and they hand you a shoelace, you know, <laughs> checks the box for, for security. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to find you on the intro, wherever they look. I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. And then Mark, if you want to get a hold of you. Mark R at smapsoft.com. And Marin, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? Um, underplot.com. And there's my, all my info is there. Cool. All right. And as I said, top of the show, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine. And that's the best way to get a hold of me. And until next week, uh, we'll say bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. And then, you know, we have theme music, and it's very exciting. And then we talk about stuff. So if you want to stick around for the after show, Marin, I know you're probably exhausted, but uh, and, to you. Man, I'm uh, yawning so bad. I, uh, I'm almost, <laughs> uh, almost off the chair. Uh, I'll, I'll have to say goodbye. Uh, all right. The best. Thanks for being well, on the thanks, show. Thanks, Marin. It was, it was good.
Thank you so much for having me. This was yeah. this was a uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I like the the casual style uh, in the conversation. Yeah, cool. Hey, a question for you: Do you listen to the show at all? Um, I've not have been listening to any podcasts lately. Uh, you know, baby stuff and and things oh, like this. That's true. It's just uh, no. <laughs> now that I have you in person, uh, congratulations on your little boy, little uh, boy, right? Uh, baby girl. A girl. Okay, sorry. Here's a fifty-fifty <laughs> shot. Yeah, I just see pictures of Marin on Slack looking exhausted with a baby in his lap, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's not getting better. I don't know. I'm, I, I feel like the... I feel like the, I'm, I'm, we're not going to be, what do you call it, like over the hill for, for a little while. Oh, no, yeah, you'll be exhausted for a while. And then <laughs> and then they want to borrow the car, and then they need to buy borrow money to buy a house. And, uh, yeah. yeah, speaking, yeah, then kids speaking, speaking of, and, this, is, this is what we're doing. I'm, I'm just flying back to Europe um, on Saturday, and then we're traveling to somewhere else to make a, a deal for, the, for an apartment. And, yeah, oh, crazy 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 um sounds like fun uh, yeah but uh anyways um good night gentlemen uh have fun uh and uh thank you again for for the invitation yeah thanks for being on sure. the show yeah. yeah thanks for joining us yeah. talk to you later all right. oh. good night good night bye all righty then and scene, <laughs> yeah, and scene. <laughs> Tim, help me understand what's happening. I, mean, I guess it's older news now. What's happening in in Toronto, where like the Blue Jays' like stadium was collapsing for the roof or something, and they, oh, they couldn't play. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we had a freak. Um, so yeah, it's like oh, I don't know how to put this in Canadian in Canadian references. It's been like you know, uh, it's been really cold uh, for the last you know, like normally in April we we don't don't doesn't you know it, it has snowed in April. You know, that would be a freak thing, right? If it snowed in April, but we had an ice storm last weekend. I think it was right um where there was ice falling from the cn tower there was ice falling from the sky dome i think i think the ice from the cn tower it, cn tower sits right on like beside the, the sky dome and i think it hit the ceiling and and um, um broke some of it broke some of the ceiling because uh, I, I think the ceiling on the sky dome is actually probably like a fancy fabric or tyvek or something like that you know it's probably it's not solid because it has to be light to be able to be moved right um and i think it's not that you know, crazy ice- canadian newfangled newspaper stuff is it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, not newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I should run up and get that thing. Uh, no, it was, um, yeah, so I think that uh, it's it's some kind of, you know, space-age fabric, let's call it that. Like, like you know, the astronauts actually wore, co- you know, cotton clothes when they went up in space, and they had these micro layers and whatever. But I think it's the same sort of thing. It's like, it's almost like an inflated roof, if you think about it that way. It's it's held, it's um it's a metal structure. But anyway, so I think the ice from the CN Tower must have fallen and hit, because all around of our, our buildings, too, because all, the, you know, where I work, it's all big skyscrapers right because it's the financial area right and uh there's ice you know would build up on the windows and then it would come down in sheets and so you know some of the some of the neighborhoods were you know um you know uh like taped off with police tape and you couldn't go near the edges of the buildings and they closed the exits to protect people from the from the falling ice right so so that's what the big story and i think that it i think they delayed a game they or canceled the game because of it right because the roof was leaking yeah and i guess it was unclear did like the wind blow the ice over there because i i didn't figure that the sea tower was right above the stadium it actually yeah no it actually they're right beside each other and you can i have a photograph i think uh, like i was at i was in the cn tower once when a baseball game was on and the dome was open and you can actually if you went over to the part where the where the game was you could look almost straight down on top of the the sky dome and you could just see this little tiny pitcher and this little tiny catcher and this little tiny ball going back and forth between the two of them right yeah so mm. yeah no it, it, it they are right beside each other and um uh, you know in terms of like yeah i mean 
they're they're sort of you know, there's the CN Tower, and there's the there's a new Ripley's Aquarium, and then there's uh, the Sky Dome right beside each other. And there's a I think part of the Sky Dome is a um, a Marriott Res- Renaissance I think uh, hotel or something like that. So it's right downtown, like it's right that down by the Lakeshore and pretty busy area. So a lot of hotels and stuff down there, touristy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So at, at that part I was talking about at, down by the ACC where the fans gather. So f- they've been doing this for the last, you know, three, four weeks. Um, uh, I guess I guess because of the playoffs. They've basically been parking dump trucks across the road and closing the roads and putting fire trucks and police, you know, big, big vehicles. And then concrete barriers and stuff like that so that um, they can basically hurt, you know, the people can get in, but no vehicles can get in, right? So broad yeah. for the same reason, right? Yeah, it's it's not a problem you can get rid of completely because you've at least got very busy intersections that you can't block off that way, yeah. right? You would have to build like little sky bridges for pedestrians to completely eliminate that problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, like the ACC is sort of down in that same area where the it's, it's just down the street from the CN Tower, and um, there's a little road that runs up towards it that uh, they kind of I can I guess that the architects kind of designed it to you know get in and out of the area pretty quickly. But yeah, it's kind of it's not a, a three through road like it goes up to the, the one side of the ACC and then you, you turn south um, so they can close that off and then and then you'll see close off basically a whole almost like a city block because uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a thoroughfare like you're not people aren't commuting to and from in that area they're just you know a lot of condos and restaurants and stuff right all centered around you know the, the going to the games and concerts and stuff right so but they've got this big jumbotron TV on the side of the ACC so if you if you don't have a ticket for the game you and like you know 5,000 or 10,000 thousand other people can go and stand in this this one area and just watch the watch the game and you know cheer on the leafs right so or blue or raptors or whatever right i think they call it jurassic park when the when the they call it jurassic park when the when the raptors are playing i don't know what they call it when the leafs are playing but yeah so i guess it's it's cool if you want to go and you know freeze your butt off and watch a game right by the way <laughs> do you want another final TV. score sorry do you want another final score um are the leafs golfing tomorrow yes oh okay yeah i figured that much they it ended up being ended up being a blowout seven to three Seven to yeah. th- no three yeah. four no seven to four probably. A I thought at least had, I think it was four or five four at least like at least like that was their game to lose right. Oh, seven to four yeah you're right seven to four yeah. Did they take out the goalie at any point? Um, they probably they usually probably. only do it when they're down a goal. Right? So it says Bruins net four unanswered to best Leafs in high scoring game. Oh, so Leafs were actually up four to three. Yeah yeah oh yeah okay. oh that's what you were saying earlier yeah yeah they got the first goal in the game so they they basically you know anyway just. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Well, like they said in Star Wars, they came from behind, right? So <laughs> They snatched feet out of the jaws of victory. Yeah, we were pretty good at that. You know, well, what is it, like 67, that's what, uh, 41 years, right? Is it 41 years? No, yeah, 41 years, yeah. So it's funny because the, the mm-hmm. first year I came to Canada was 1966, right, in the fall. And so all, and it was in Montreal. So all my friends got me, you know, thinking about the, they were all talking about the, the Montreal Canadians and how great they were and all that kind of stuff. Well, 66, 67 was the year the Leafs won the last time the Leafs won the cup. So mm. the first year I was in Canada, the wrong team won the cup. Mm. <laughs> what can you do? I know it's late for math and stuff, but you said 41. I think you mean 51. Is it 51? Has it been that long? To 67? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's, yeah. Why, that's why I asked. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, a scary thought. Huh? that's a scary thought. Yeah. 51 years. Yeah. Yeah, I think the longest drought was the uh, 
the uh, was the Blackhawks, or you know, they were thirty five years before they won. No, we're, we're extra special in, in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to get some NHL and and some NBA while we're at it over here in the Seattle area. Yeah, we got none right. of that up there. Your, your uh, basketball team left a couple of years back, huh? Yeah, it's been Oklahoma like, City now, right? Like more than a decade by now, I think. Oh, is that long, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, because I think the last all right, the last time I went to a game was in two thousand six. I remember seeing Ray Allen and company. They went to the playoffs, so the belly had a year or two of like tanking it hard so they could get uh, Brian. I'm uh, sorry, um, Kevin Durant and Brian Westbrook, hmm. and then they left in two thousand eight. I think so. I think it's been just about a decade. So you know that the irony is is that um, the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of the oldest teams in the in the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. And the Golden Nuggets from Las Vegas Golden Nuggets, they're not even a year old, and they're in the playoffs. Yeah, well, that happens a lot. I mean, look at you know the Cubs, right? They it, it, they were like over a hundred years since they won before a year or two ago when they won it. It's been over a hundred years and hundred years, really? Oh yeah, yeah. For the Cubs, yeah, yeah. And the Red Sox before they won it in two thousand four, it had been eighty six years. So really, oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I remember the oh, stories of like you know the ninety year old man who's been watching since he was nine years old, and <laughs> we hope he doesn't die like before this last game because he can yep. potentially see them win the series. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we've yeah. got the uh, Seattle Mariners who are like the bad news bears, but without the uplifting ending. Yeah. It's been like that for some time. <laughs> uh, Seahawks have they, have they don't look too won good. The World Series? No. 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 The closest they've gotten is the ALCS where they lost against the oh, Indians, the I think. Oh, Indians? They, yeah. they beat the Yankees. That was uh, uh, the big one with uh, with Edgar Martinez and, and um, Ken Griffey Jr. They got that past the, the AL- rival Yankees. Yes, then. Division Series? They won the ALDS, but then they lost in the ALCS oh, against okay. the Indians, so they've never been to the series. Wow. And it burns me because the Kansas City Royals, yeah. you know, for a very long time were just, like, composed of the, the cast-off rejects from the Mariners, which yeah. tells you something. And yet, they've turned it around to actually win in the intervening years. Yeah, yeah. So the, the curse of A-Rod was working against the Mariners even back then, huh? Indeed. Indeed. We've got Is that the one that was going out with a Kardashian? Uh, uh, no, Jennifer Lopez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lopez, yeah. really? Are they married or? I don't think so. No, she married Kanye, right? Yeah. No, no. Uh, wait. So Kim Kardashian is married to Kanye West. Right. Jennifer Lopez was married to. Um, oh, Lopez. Enrique oh, J-Lo. Yes. Okay, right. For a long time. And then I think she's been single for a while now. How do you guys know all this? <laughs> These are big enough people where, you know, it's not unreasonable. <laughs> to, to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always think of Mark as the curmudgeon on this show. <laughs> well. So, hey, when are you going to go see uh, in the Infinity Avengers Infinity War thing, Jaime? I think it's probably Sunday is the most practical thing. I've got way too much going on. Unless unless I luck out and find, like, a, a random showing and I'll just leave work during the middle of the day or something, go by yeah. myself, I think Beyonce and I will probably go see it this well, weekend. I was just thinking that we should probably Sunday. do a quick uh, spot cast, too, on that, on catch up on, on stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that would, that would be that would be good. be a good sort of uh, um, tie-in because uh, Black we're, Panther, we're still right? waiting for the, the season to start for Discovery. Yeah, and, and you haven't seen Ready Player One yet, right? I have not, and it's very unlikely I'll see it in this amount of time. But but I think I will see Blade Runner 2049. Oh, that would be good. Because <laughs> fiancé sent me a <laughs> photo, like, oh, that. I picked wow. this up at the library. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll watch that then. Wow. That's, I have it on Blu-ray here, and I haven't even watched it yet, like all the way through, right? <laughs> it's still a very pretty movie. Yeah, well, at least I'm caught up on, what, well, season one of 
Westworld. I haven't seen season two. Um, oh, I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't started watching that yet. But I, I just watched. Did you watch Lost in Space? I have not gotten to Lost in Space. Lost in Space, actually. Yeah, I, I watched. Uh, I sat down and watched it. Just been straight through it. So oh, pretty yeah, interesting. Not done yet. Yeah, it was. It was. It was fine so far. It's not. Yeah. It's not great, but it's okay. And I'm just really? finishing Jessica Jones. I just got you know another twenty minutes or so to go on that. Yeah, have you watching? I haven't gotten into season two. I've been. Uh, in my downtime, just by myself watching uh, *Halt and Catch Fire*, so I'm oh yeah, about midway through the fourth season, so it's close to done for me. Yeah, yeah, that was a good show to watch over the four years. I don't know if I how it would seem like because there's quite a gap between a couple of seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Like many mm-hmm. many years pass by, right? I think between the third and the fourth season, like between two and three, and three and four, there's quite a number of years that pass, right? Yeah, but it's like that revolution in the valley. It's kind of um, interesting how they kind of replay that sort of the. The, the sense of what that was like back then, right? So you watched the whole thing, Mark, right? I don't think I watched the whole thing. Oh, okay. I hmm. know I watched some of it, but it was I, I, I was up to date at the time, but it was before. But this was years ago, so it was before all the seasons came out. So I got to go back and watch it again. Has Silicon Valley come back yet? Yeah. Yep. Okay, I haven't been watching that. So I'm gonna go back and watch that. I guess that's, mm-hmm. I guess that's coming up. <laughs> yeah. And on Spotcast, you can talk about the the new finally announced uh, Game of Thrones book. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. The, and the now, when is he gonna like finish it? The four hundred and sixty page Game of Thrones book that nobody wants. Exactly, yeah. Really? <laughs> it's okay. like, come on, so, old man. Don't so tempt us with your fate. So the analogy is, to, I know you haven't read the books, Tim, but the analogy is, say say uh, Lord of the Rings had, Tolkien had published the first two books in the story, in the trilogy, and then 10 years went by and he was promising the last one. Yeah, like and, Star Wars, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he made a big announcement that he just published the new book and it was The Silmarillion. Oh, really? That's what this <laughs> new book is. <laughs> Oh, it's not even. It's not even it's like. Not, it's not the actual book. It's it's a it's a history of of oh. uh, you know the the Targaryens. Yeah, which yeah, I've know. never read the similar really either. Either so. Oh, it's good, but it's not. It's different than Lord of the Rings. Oh, huh. yeah, yeah. I do think that. I mean, it, it's his life, it's his stories and stuff. But I think from a uh, urgency and priority standpoint, it would be really good for him to to finish up yeah. Game of Thrones yeah. proper because you don't want to be like Robert Jordan who died before finishing has work right yeah and right. and all right all right okay nobody really wants you doing like sci-fi and werewolf stories but okay if you need a little breather okay that's fine but you came back explicitly to the same world and decided not to write about the thing that everybody <laughs> yeah. wants you to finish up yeah yeah <laughs> So I've got a question here. Um, so uh, I have not read the article, but it was about the Simpsons, specifically Apu in oh, his yeah, representation, yeah, yeah. And, and Hank Azaria saying like he's willing to step away. Really? I'm of I'm of two minds of it because, and, and I'm very curious, you know, given your heritage, like what you think of it, because I, I I feel like I come in it from from certainly an outsider because I'm you know I'm not Indian in any way, but I feel like well if that was like you know a Mexican or Mexican American character, yeah. Yeah, but there's that goofy doctor guy, right? What's his name? Right, and and the 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 bumblebee guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, him too. Yeah, the killer bee. Yeah. Where I'm like, well, on the one hand, it's a very you know stereotypical thing, but on the other, it's kind of sadly one of the best you know examples of at least some representation. Yeah, yeah. Even, no, for even sure. if it's I flawed mean, representation. But even but even if you look at Shaun of the Dead, they have the Indian guy running the, the grocery store. I mean, like it's here in Canada, you know, it's totally not true because it's Koreans running the grocery stores here. Right? 
right? Mm. It used to be Indians. Now it's Koreans and Chinese. In fact, we have a we have a TV show played by Koreans, actual Koreans, um, called what's it called now? Crap, I can't think of it. But it's hilarious. They've won all these awards for. Um, it's filmed down the street from me too, actually. Just on Kim's Convenience, it's called, right? Um, and it's on Tuesday nights at nine thirty or nine o'clock on CBC. But um, yeah, it's 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 actually pretty funny. But I mean, so here's the thing. It's like it's like saying it, it's not right that Mel Blank voices the does the voice of a rabbit or, or a duck because he's not a rabbit or a duck, right? So in context, Hank Azaria is a voice actor, and he's been doing. I mean, Bart Simpson is is not played by a man, right? It's played by a woman, right? Right. So I don't know. And, and you know, I'm not. I to be honest with you, I haven't watched. You know, I probably watched maybe twenty percent of the Simpsons episodes in the thirty years it's been on the air, right? So um, you know, again, animated shows. You know, unless you recognize the actor, that kind of takes away the ma- the ma- the magic. But um, I, you know, I I never hear Hank Zaria when I when I watch those shows. Like you know, all the characters he does. You know, the, the police chief and Apu and you know all the all the other voices that he does. I, I just I don't. I don't. My mind doesn't think of Hank Azaria standing in front of a microphone and, and saying those words, right? So to I me, think, I, I don't think the the thing that people are offended by is the fact that Hank Azaria is not Indian. It's the well, fact no, there that, there is a guy. There is a guy. There's a Canadian. There's a uh, Indian Canadian who's been going around saying he wrote a book on on like basically it's not my Apu kind of thing, right? Oh, and the okay. problem with Apu or something like that, and that's what started this whole thing, right? Hmm. Is that you know he loved he loves the Simpsons, but he's always been pissed off about the way that the Indians are portrayed in, in the TV show. But, I, you know, I'm sure police are, are offended by how they're portrayed. And, uh, admittedly, it's not a racist portrayal in that sense, right? But, um, but, and, but to, and to answer Jaime's question is that um, it was interesting, you know, growing up through... I remember being in India, right, when I was probably like four years old because I was born in England and we went to India when I was three, right? And I remember um, we were... Uh, I was riding on a tricycle and my friend was riding behind me, like he was sitting on the seat and I was pedaling kind of thing, right? And um, some girl just walked up and started hitting him, right? Because he was white. Really? Right? And yeah, I mean, and I probably, you know, I, I in context, I probably looked Indian, right? Um, but then when I moved to Canada, it was a different story. And, you know, I never I never really sort of, I wasn't maybe, I was probably blissfully unaware of, of prejudice when I was first here in Canada. And um, like in Montreal, and I lived in St. Catharines and Niagara Falls, and, and I never really felt unusual about it. But I remember when I was 15, I was moving to or yeah, fourteen or whatever. I was moving to Toronto, and I remember my friend saying to me, and they, these are a couple of white guys, a couple of long hairs. I had long hair back then too, right? And they said, when you go to in, when you go to Toronto, they're gonna they're gonna call you Paki because that's what they do there, right? And I'm like, well, why would they do that? I'm my, my dad's Indian and my mom's Scottish. Like, you know, what could possibly you know where would that come from? And ironically, in in Indian communities, I'm seen as white, and in white communities, I'm seen as Indian, right? Yeah. Um, but and yeah, I mean, it was it was totally like once once I got to Toronto and, you know, my friends used to make joke about, you know, jokes about, you know, how my parents would prepare food or whatever. And I just, it was like, yeah, it, it, it hurt. Um, but you know, and it was, you know, it was just something you got used to. And, and, um, it's got, I think it's gotten better in some ways, but in, in a lot of ways it's not. So I don't know from my take on, on again, like not being a fan of the Simpsons or whatever, but my take on, on the, the way the Simpsons are portraying, um, you know, various races and various things in the show. It's, it's, 
it's meant to be humorous, right? And it's meant to be uh, funny for. And they basically they they talk about they they portray tropes, right? In in the show, that's what their whole shtick is about, right? Um, you know, the brainy girl and the the you know, rotten kid and the father who wants to strangle the kids all the time and stuff like that, right? So um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm not offended by uh, in any way by Hank Azaria's portrayal or or because it's not him. It, it's or, or maybe it's the writers or whatever. Um, Twenty years ago or thirty years ago, when when the Simpsons started, you know, our political political correctness was our meter was was pointed in a different direction or not pointed at all, right? So that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, and it makes me think of uh, I want to say it was an interview that Aziz Ansari was talking to like Conan O'Brien or something about you know Indian role models uh, growing up, and when he was little, he didn't realize that I don't remember the actor's name, but from Short Circuit, Benjamin Jarvey, oh yeah, the yeah, Indian yeah. character is played by a white guy in like blackface or that was a Indian white guy brown face really yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aziz Ansari was like I was so let down when I found out but at the same time there was so little representation that at least having flawed representation yeah, he was, had its, he was his a, own the intelligent spot. guy he was like he was portrayed as, as a brainy brainy guy who invented this robot right yeah yeah I, I have to look it up but he was uh, not an Indian not an Indian actor but it's interesting they asked Whoopi Goldberg the other day I heard this in an interview saying like is it like what do you, what do you call it when um uh what did uh, what did Al Jolson do what do they call that when when blackface. they when blackface it, like yeah. so they asked if she, if she thought that um the Simpsons portrayal of Apu was black was was the same as blackface and she says well is it a white guy pretending to be a black, uh, a colored person and they said yes and she goes then it's blackface right so, <laughs> oh here we go Fisher Stevens was the actor who played Benjamin Jarvey really wow I never I see I I'm shocked to find that out too Cal Penn also you know he used to be a, um, in Obama's government and he's from um, White Castle, right? And I think he's from the West Wing or something, or he's in, he's in something now, right? Where he's portraying a... Um, yeah, he's Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, right? Harold and Kumar, yeah, but he yeah. but he was he's also in something now where he's like a, a political political aide or something like that in, in what he portrays in the movie, in TV show or something. I forget what it, what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, again, he also made a comment about the fact that, you know, this this was back when he was, you know, getting early acting gigs, they, were, they weren't terribly flattering for Indian people, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Are we going to cancel The Simpsons because of it? I don't think so. But but so you're saying that Hank Zara said he would step away from the character? Like I, I saw the headline. Let me see if I can find it. Well, it basically said he was he was willing to if if they wanted to. He yeah. wasn't saying he was going to. Right, right, right. But it, but he, like even Edgar Wright uses uses a, an Indian store owner in uh, Shaun of the Dead because you know he you know when when Shaun goes you know in his morning stupor to buy uh, a Cornetto for Ed and and some milk or whatever for himself, right? And a paper, you know. He initially goes the first time through, you know, just half asleep, and then the second time, you know, the the storekeepers become a zombie, right? So or undead or whatever they call them in that movie, right? That's racist against zombies <laughs> and undead, right? Yeah, yeah. I still feel like it's uh, getting in that sarcasm route. Like I, I had to look this up because I vaguely remembered, and I want to make sure. So Apu runs the Quickie Mart, but it's also a commentary on the fact that he is wildly. Uh, overqualified for that because he holds a PhD oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from uh, Calcutta Technical Institute, right? Yeah, that, Which is that, like, a, that happens. like a common uh, immigrant problem, right? To be like, hey, like, yeah, I was a doctor in my country and here I'm like a janitor. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I like, I, th- I think I told you I worked with a, I don't know if I told you, but I worked with a, um, I had an assistant artist who worked for me as he was a senior artist that back in the day when we were working flags and banners and he was from the Philippines and he was actually like uh, from the, 
the University of Manila. He was a professor there, and I think he was like the assistant dean or something like that, right? So and now he's a you know painter in in um, lives in Mississauga. But you know, yeah, back then you know he was just a guy who got a job at like you know eight dollars an hour or whatever we were paying him, right? And uh, and I was his boss, right? His hapless boss, right? <laughs> I'm sure he must have loved that, right? And you were like what twenty five or something at the time? I was twenty. Yeah, I was just yeah. thir- twenty eight, thirty something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was around that age. But and and it's funny because you know you know how I always talk about intent, right? In when you're when you're doing work, and he was the first person to say to me like when I was talking about oh I'm going to do a painting about this or that, and he just he said to me, well what's your intent? What is what is why are you doing that? Right? And and uh, and that stuck with me. That's one thing I learned from him is like you know as and that was his I don't know if he even realizes or not, but that was his teaching of teaching to me of you know just don't do stuff for the sake of doing it, do it for a reason, right? So mm. which is I guess start with why, right? Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Kami? I think maybe I, I come from it from the like lack of representation side. I, again, as as flawed as the representation is, at least it's it's there. Like a you know a Benjamin Jarvey character for you know who inspired uh, Aziz Ansari as a kid. And I'm also thinking about um, it's not quite as similar situation because here there actually you know are some Indian uh, folks who who feel offended. Uh, obviously, the creator of that documentary uh, being yeah. of Indian descent and, and being offended. It's not yeah. exactly the same, but it, it it feels in the same spirit as I don't know. This was like in the 90s, whenever it was that um, the Boomerang channel that I think eventually either split off from Cartoon Network or or came together to become Cartoon Network. I don't remember, but they, they picked up a whole bunch of old cartoons, you know, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, um, Rankin-Bass cartoons, I think, and um, the Looney Tunes franchise. They were just showing reruns, right? Just 24-7 cartoon type stuff. Right. And they had explicitly uh, not shown, even though they had the rights to, they didn't show the Speedy Gonzalez cartoons. Right. And and their worry was, hey, this is like not a cool representation. This is like a really stereotypical uh, you know, it, it, portrayal of uh, Mexican culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then on the other side, it, it, there were people from the, you know the Mexican American community who were like, where the hell is Speedy Gonzalez? Like that was like my favorite character. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. removed funny, my right? culture from the Looney Tunes. I, I haven't thought about Speedy Gonzalez probably in forty years, but but oh, is he it, no longer around? Well, no, it's just I haven't watched cartoons in forty oh. years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true thinking Probably, back yeah. i mean it could it could be considered pretty racist i'd never even thought of that yeah and yeah. and i think in this case the the network execs tried to avoid controversy and that they stepped right into it because the community was like hey if you'd asked us we would have said this is totally cool go with it we it's better to have something there than nothing at all yeah mm-hmm. so, so i think that's what sort of flavors my opinion of of this apu thing but it's just you know my opinion as an outsider to that uh that particular community so i pasted a link in the show notes the guy's name is Harry Kanadabulu. Um, it's a documentary that he created about called called the problem with Apu, and he's he's a I think he's Canadian, uh, but he's comedian comedian who talks about this and and uh, goes through the whole um, made a documentary about about how you know South Asians are are uh, represented right through the Simpsons or whatever right. It's funny you know like I, thinking about the po- the podcast trope. I don't know if you have heard this before, but I hear this every now and then about basically a podcast is two white guys are, are complaining about technology. Have you heard that? (laughs) Well, so I don't know if people who listen to the show realize this or not, but we're mostly not white on this show. (laughs) You know, like I have Indian in me. You have, you have Hispanic in you. Greg is Korean. I hope he doesn't mind me saying it. Korean Canadian, right? You know, Tammy's from Tennessee (laughs) and Jersey. (laughs) Is that that not white anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We only have two, we're, we're mostly not Caucasian is what I'm saying, what I'm saying, right? So, yeah. 
yeah yeah there's a there's quite a bit of diversity in our group for many for many angles men women yeah uh various races uh various countries parts of the country um varying ways in which we sort of found ourselves into technology yeah we all came from different paths right so yeah i don't know i mean there are i mean there are definitely some things that need to change i mean we don't have enough you know female representation on this show in my opinion but you know we're working on that you know it's it's interesting at work we have uh you know obviously we have a lot of different we have you know um eastern europeans we have indians we have uh sorry i should say south asians because it's not just uh india it's also various places down there there's we have chinese people or oriental people you know i'm sure we have some japanese as well and we have caucasians and we have uh, you know um not quite equal numbers of men and women but our, our women our female representation is is pretty high i think for most companies right so i think it's it's interesting but then toronto toronto and i guess canada are kind of like that in terms of being we call ourselves a, mel- a melting plot pot because we've got you know all kinds of different uh races here you know that make up our fair city yeah bay area is like that too in fact yeah uh, uh, caucasians are almost a minority here if not yeah. actually a minority here well i mean and so the thing about it is like like uh, i mean i'm glad to see that you know the the tide has turned in terms of you know technology I mean, what it is is has allowed these guys to come from other countries and not be cab drivers or, or security guards or you know convenience store owners right so although you know being a convenience store owner is not not a simple task either right maybe it's portrayed that way on the simpsons but you know uh, actually i'm not sure anyone thinks it's an easy job <laughs> no it's not uh, it's i think it's a pretty hard job it's just it's a it's a low barrier to entry job i suppose but it's hard work yeah well i mean but if you're the owner there's a lot of a lot of things you have to you know, balance right so yeah you have to have product you have to have you know you have to you have to be willing to work the crazy hours they work right yeah yeah no, your family. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, I have friends whose families ran restaurants or run, I think, grocery stores and stuff like that. And you know, I know, I know, Greg has some retail roots. I don't remember what exactly what they are, but you know, and I've done my time in the restaurant industry and bars, so cleaning up other people's slop. <laughs> Is there? Um, so you know, you're familiar with the American dream, or at least you've heard that that phrase mm-hmm. before, probably, right? Is there? Anybody can uh, be president, man, in America. There's <laughs> <laughs> a different uh, uh, tint to it now. Um, yeah. But is there uh, like a Canadian dream? Is that a concept for Canada? Is there a Canadian dream? It's like you know, it's funny we talk dream, about it involves more maple syrup. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> um, it's funny. Like we we've got we've had painters. Like uh, we had a group of they were actually called the Group of Seven, and they were in the turn of the turn of the last century um, who were paint trying to find Canada's voice through through art right and uh and it basically had a lot of trees and a lot of you know forest and woods and um hockey you know it's it's funny i don't know lacrosse is our national sport and yet we talk a lot about hockey right so and uh in high in grades you know in grade school these our, our um, gym teacher used to call us the great canadian tripod because we had two feet and one hockey stick <laughs> you know and, and if we didn't have a hockey stick in our hand we'd fall over right um is there a canadian dream yeah i don't know staying warm is one of them <laughs> but it, but it sounds like there isn't a uh, you know, the romanticized, you know, move to America from whatever probably European country you oh, know, yeah. is coming through Ellis Island and you start with nothing and yeah. through hard work and everything, your your family uh, achieves success, right? Hopefully it's you, but at the very least, you're creating the foundation for your children and children's children. Sort it's of like thing. a modified op- uh, a modified um, version of the Jeffersons, you mean? Or Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on up to the east side, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I don't know. I, I think so. I think there is, but... Um, Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know. We're pretty. We, we'll have to have a committee and go and decide on, on what the Canadian identity is. That's that's the Canadian thing. We, if we have a problem with something, we'll go and form a committee and discuss it. And then you'll apologize after. Well, we'll apologize all the way through. I mean, that, that yeah, goes without yeah. saying. I'm sorry yeah. I even brought yeah. it up. I don't know why I even thought about <laughs> bringing it up. But, yeah. um, I'm sorry I didn't have an answer for that question. You know, <laughs> um, I truly am sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 an, it's interesting. I, well, as as an immigrant coming into the country, like, to me, like you know, as a kid, hockey, like I mean, I came to Montreal, and hockey and skating and stuff was was a big thing. And I, I'm, you know, when I was seven, I, you know, my mother dressed me up as in, as well as she could and gave me a pair of you know really bad skates and sent me over to the park to try and you know join the hockey team. And I took one look at them and went, no, I'm not doing this. And turning around, and going back, right? But um, so hockey's always sort of been a pretty big part of uh, of my you know um, experience. I did eventually learn how to skate and play hockey and stuff like that, obviously. But um, snow was a lot of snow in our in our in our in our identity, right? So, and different parts of the country have more snow than others, right? Vancouver has very little, but when it does snow, it's it does leave, it certainly affects their lives, right? I don't know. It's I think it's a question we've been wrestling for for with for uh, many 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 years. I think we're coming up on our hundred and fiftieth, uh, or no, we just had our hundred fiftieth, right? So yeah, the centennial. centennial, right? Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came and went so quick, I didn't even realize it. <laughs> we did a whole podcast. On that that was last year yeah. yeah that was a whole year ago man Almost. yeah we're coming up eight eight more weeks and we'll have hit 200 oh hey you That's... know what's happening this year on our canada day you guys don't know no yeah. i'm completely unaware they're legalizing pot oh, oh. Yeah. so it's gonna be the pothead podcast from now on yeah <laughs> the podcast weed, weed tech the podcast yeah <laughs> more than just stoned yeah exactly more yeah, how to roll we'll, we'll have a section on how to roll your own and how to separate out the seeds and yeah. more than just what were we talking about? Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Yep. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. Um, we're so close in the United States. Like it's it's pretty interesting that, that Canada went the federal route. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Provincial yeah. interpretations of it. So that'll that'll definitely cause friction. Like whichever province is more um, strict about it is going to be very upset that people are crossing the border to the next province and and other things. Well, you know, it's funny they just charged the guy from um, from New Brunswick, I think. He came to Quebec or to Ontario or something, and he bought like 14 cases of beer, and he drove them home. And in Canada, there's a law, like one of our laws, about our liquor laws, is that you're allowed to, you're basically allowed to buy alcohol and transport it from the store to your home, right? However, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do it from one province to the other. Hmm. And he just got charged, like like that case finally, I just came went through just this, this weekend, actually. Um, it's been going on for years, like four years or something like that and and that's a huge like you know settlement for for the province but it, so coming back to the the pot thing though is like so now we're tr- they're trying to decide on you know whether it's going to be how it's going to be sold because every province sells alcohol differently right like in ontario we have a liquor control board and we have a you know a brewer's re- a beer store where you buy beer and the other one you know, hard liquor is sold at liquor and wine is sold in other places right in the lcbo so who's going to sell the pot now right and and you know and then there's also the question of of, I heard something the other day about people being able, people will be able to grow their own po- plants, but they'll only be allowed to have four plants or something like that. And then now all the condo 
condos are having to make rules about whether you can have you can grow plants in your condo unit or not because you know there's water and mold and all kinds of other things that can affect the value of the property if you if you don't do it right right so and you know and then there's the whole uh, being stoned and driving like you know being inebriated and driving like how does that you know how did the cops test for that and there's a lot of different things but it's interesting that that you, to your point about the fact that it's federal a federal decision because in the states it's still federally illegal to, to have the smoke pot right um right. whereas but more and more of the states have have made it legal i don't remember the number it's like half ish i think are, are well on their way or have already passed but you guys also have a different understanding between what state law and federal law is in in you know in terms of who has who holds the cards or who has more power right um in canada it's more like um the prime minister is the president of or if, like in corporate speak he's the president right and then in the um provinces each each pre- premier who's the top guy is is um is like the assistant vice pre- or the uh, assist, assistant vp or avp right so in other words the federal law kind of has an umbrella that encompasses all of the provinces right and and, and it's also i think that's also because of financial right like basically all of the provinces except for maybe alberta which has oil are dependent on money from the federal government so i think there's a trade-off in terms of control right um but yeah no our federal government has more has a sort of an overarching power over our provincial governments right whereas in the states it's a little different right? you're, you're a federated group of states right isn't that how it works yeah it, it, it cycles it, it, back and forth a little bit but it but in general uh yeah there are certain laws that are federal laws and there are certain laws that are state laws and they right they try not to get in the way of each other but but this one is is an interesting one because uh, on the federal level pot is illegal still but on, yeah. on certain state level as we were saying it, it is not so so when obama was president he kind of explicitly said all right we're we're not going to enforce any of the federal laws right but now jeff sessions the attorney general has said well they are going to start enforcing hmm. so we don't know what's going to happen it will be interesting to see yeah tim on on the u.s side in general and there's one big loophole that i'll talk about in general the feds have only the rights and, and powers that are explicitly stated in the constitution and anything mm-hmm. that's not generally falls to the states or the rights of the people directly themselves the big caveat is the ginormous loophole called you know interstate so the feds <laughs> regulate between the states you know interstate commerce and oh really something like pot is very easy to argue for or against i guess in terms of interstate um and, and a lot of things like you know the like the bureau of alcohol firearms and tobacco um sort of falls in an area so it, it it's very complex and, and to mark's point it sort of swings depending on the the mood of the country and who you know who happens to be in administration at the time right hmm. but yeah I, I mean for you know pro tip for you canadians while we're trying to figure it out on our sides uh somebody over there needs to create the equivalent of philip morris uh, coca-cola or <laughs> you know <laughs> Pick your pick your flavor, you know, Budweiser, whatever it is. Yeah. Build that brand, and then just wait it out for the Americans to to want to bring it over. It's it's going to be interesting to see who becomes you know the sort of like you said the, who's going to be the Coke of of pot right who's going to be the the brand that everybody goes to because they trust them and they love them and you know whatever right uh, it's interesting inter- one of the guys I follow is Terry O'Reilly who does not the hockey player but Terry O'Reilly the marketing executive who has a show on again on CBC and I, I'm just reading his book right now and he was just talking about how you know the Coke recipe right has you know they went through that whole new Coke thing or whatever but people buy Coke because they love the brand. 
brand. They trust the brand, right? Um, that's why they buy Apple and all other stuff too. But other companies have come and gone and have dis- have figured out what the Coke recipe is and made colas that taste exactly like Coke, but then not survived because they weren't the Coke. They didn't have the brand, right? And that that's what people gravitated towards, right? So it'd be, it's going to be interesting to see who becomes the sort of Molsons or the Labatt's or the Anheuser-Busch of marijuana up here, right? You know? Yeah. And then, you, like you said, and they branch into the States, right? But if it's anything like any other company, somebody in the States will come up with a, a better plan and, and the Canadians will be struggling for years to try and break into the American market, right? Which is what the story of our, our businesses is, right? So, you know, because you guys well, you are gotta, so much bigger than us, right? So you got to grab this opportunity, right? Like there already is, I mean, people, I think, overstate how big the pot tourism is. I mean, I haven't certainly noticed anything crazy. Well, Washington for, is legal, right? Where you are. Washington State has and it. Del- uh, Colorado. Colorado. And, you know, like, um, California's I'm, close, I'm sure. Right? California Sorry? is, although right. it hasn't been fully rolled out yet, so you can't really buy it yet. Right, right. Although it's, it is it is legal for recreational use now. So can you go to a store and buy pot in Washington, honey? Um, you can, can go, you go down specific and pick shops. You can't just, you know, get it with your milk and eggs. No, oh, special places, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's like our liquor stores, right? Like you have to go to a liquor, special store for And mind you, they, they do sell beer and wine in, in grocery stores now, but they never used to, right? Whereas in, in Quebec, you can go to the Quickie Mart and buy beer, right? And wine and, and liquor. So I'm sure in Quebec you'll be able to buy pot at the at the Max Milk <laughs> and the Beckers and whatever. The 7-Eleven. Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't know. But also there's also the, and, and there's also the, like the actual, are you smoking the plant? Or are you using the, you know, the, the vape machine? Or I've even heard that they're making gummies out of like the THC in them. Yes. Which would be devastating for me. <laughs> <laughs> I eat a whole bag. <laughs> that, that's why you need that branding. I was like, look, look, there's way too, in my opinion, because I'm not into that culture, like, there is yeah. way too much experimentation going on here. This is like, no, 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 you don't want hobbyists, right? You don't yeah. want uh, people putting their computers together and then putting it in a wooden box level. No, no, you want the Mac of right. not tobacco. Uh, you want the, you want the, yeah, the CSC Use aluminum thing. box. Because yeah. you want it to be consistent every time. You want the experience to be the same. You don't want to, you don't want to be guessing whether this is going to, you know, knock you out for, yeah. for hours. Oh, it's true. Or is it yeah. Gonna, or is it just going to, you know, be a mild thing? Yeah. You want the, like, all right, you know, you're new to this. Use the mild. Right. The extra <laughs> mild. The, the extra mild paste picante sauce. Exactly. Yeah. Probably ketchup. And if you're really hardcore, we'll, okay, we've got the hot and the ghost pepper equivalent of that. You know, if you're um, Snoop Dogg or something and you've been doing this for so long time, <laughs> yeah. you've got the high tolerance. Something yeah. tells me he'll have his own brand, like Paul Newman salad dressing, Snoop Dogg. Right. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> yeah, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Dog's Snoop own. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I, you know, I, I, I know of a of a, a kid who in the 70s may have experimented and all this stuff. And you're right. It was a, quite a different variety of, of experiences, right? So Yeah. It needs to be, you know, a repeatable process so people know what they're getting into. It's it, yeah. it's no different in my mind than the, the shenanigans with, um, like, canned goods where it's like, yeah. all right, we oh, with this right. whole beer. It's like, you know what? This chicken soup, it better actually have chicken in it. And, oh, and it can't <laughs> have, you know, more than X parts per million of rat feces and other right. yeah, know, yeah. things in it. Like, we went through that whole period. Like, we forgot that we went through that period in the early uh, part of the 20th century. We're, we're sort of doing that now with, with pot because it's it's still in this weird, awkward frontier phase because it's been illegal yeah. for so long. Well, didn't, didn't you hear about the, the pet food that came over from China that had uh, melamine in it? Yeah, it didn't surprise me. I was like, they put it in baby food, for God's sakes. What do you think they're going to do to animals? Oh, the Chinese too, you mean? Or What's that? The, the Chinese manufacturers were as well? Yeah, they were. Is the melamine the one that 
has like uh, protein type compounds, and that's what they were using to boost the protein content. Oh, is that what they were? Ooh, gross! I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was they put in the in the baby food, but that's, that's yeah, what yeah. they were doing. So yeah, it was this yeah. toxic thing that artificially boosts the protein um, analysis. Right. So what is melamine? I thought it was like a furniture. <laughs> oh, melamine. Oh, it's a, oh, it's an organic compound. Three carbons, six hydrogens, six new, no, nitrogens. White solid is a trimmer of cyanamide. Hmm. That sounds like yeah, I don't think poison, you right? see this as much anymore, but when that was going down, you would see products. No, if you, I don't really think of it as racist. I think it was more nationalist where they would say like China free, like on a sticker that's been put on the box. People get all weird about that, but like, you know, salt, sardine, and chlorine are not good for you, <laughs> you know, independently. And, you know, all natural. It's like, well, arsenic is natural, too. That's true. <laughs> you don't want I, that I like to say research causes cancer in rats, right? Yeah. Like, I'm always, like, I, I wish they could show, like, the scale model of, like, hey, this thing causes cancer in rats. It's like, you gave them, if it was scaled up to human size, like a wine barrel of the product. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Help me understand my, my level risk am i going to consume a wine barrel worth at once probably not so yeah. i think i'm fine thank you very much with my whatever it is that that causes cancer in rats yeah i don't know doubles your your, your odds i'm like mm, what were my odds to begin with because <laughs> if you doubled my odds to win the lottery i'm like well who cares <laughs> it's not that much right right what else is going on besides apu and melamine in your dog food uh, question for you uh what's going on with the the t-shirt stuff oh i, I As we get closer to I've dub made the down payment on the the order i'm waiting they're supposed to send me a proof and then they'll start printing them so okay so they'll be going on the website pretty soon and we'll start promoting them pretty heavily yeah so yeah by the time you hear this you may be able to order repeat uh, t-shirts right i yeah, the space gray ones are are going to be at the printer, or should be like I, I just sent an email to the guy today because I didn't get a I'm supposed to get a digital proof before they start printing them. So and then he said about seven to ten business days or something like that. So I would expect you know probably by the uh, end of the first week in May maybe, mm-hmm. which is you know unusual for us because that's like a whole week or whole four weeks before WWDC. <laughs> that's good. We've gotten we've we've uh, built, measured, and learned from the process. Yeah, well <laughs> that doesn't mean that doesn't prove anything. Um, yeah. We've already uh, Adam Armstrong's already reached out for for his T-shirt, so he's going to be down at AltConf, and uh, we'll send him one down for to sport while he's down there. He didn't get into the he didn't win the lottery this year, so the T-shirt fits for him for sure. So, yeah, he yeah, I think he went to WWDC last year and wore one of our shirts. Those, so. those will probably be popular at AltConf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping I I, I kind of hope that this this theme will be a popular one anyway, right? Yeah, you know, because like, how many of us do you think entered the lottery, <laughs> and how many of us yes. would want a T-shirt that says that yeah yeah it's a, it's a joke actually wear the t-shirt yeah of course you are you're expected <laughs> I, to wear it i won the lottery <laughs> yeah we don't care we don't care yeah <laughs> Your, yours would be the ironic one yeah that's yeah, right. yeah that's right yeah. Mm-hmm. that's what we'll tell people you entered the did you win last year no did you did you did you but you entered the lottery and did you win the year before no so it's true yeah right yeah, yeah true. <laughs>